1: by Sikkim365.com.
2: Makai Bernard in the game,
1: and here's a flea flicker,
3: rising with a ton of time, got a receiver wide open, and it's caught for a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid got the
4: Sixty-five sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for four hundred ninety-seven dollars or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget.
1: Texas brings pressure. Duggan backpedals, slops to the end zone, wide open. Johnson touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Shovel pass, here's Sanders, a
5: burst of speed, Rocket Sanders steps on the gate.
1: If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life.
2: Gabriel Pumps, 18, airing it out into the end zone. Stokes is there! Got it. Touchdown,
5: Oklahoma.
1: Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and
6: Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on this Thursday afternoon, and we will get into the Big 12 preseason media poll that was released today. And I have to tell you, it almost mirrored what I had that I gave out last week, but uh, that means that uh, I think maybe it looks complicated and then maybe makes sense in many ways if you just look at who is where and what they have coming back, et cetera. And again, TCU and Kansas State last year, no one had TCU in, in the mix. Baylor and Oklahoma State, maybe Oklahoma State, but not Baylor. So it's been that way, and we'll see what happens and who might be the dark horse who rises from being maybe picked seventh or or lower. But we'll get to that. First of all, thank you, MC Gusto. Um, Royce sent us a letter, and here it is. And what this is, without just like it's about us, it's about this family we have built at 365 Sports. He posted this on UCFSports.com. Uh, justified shout out to 365 Sports, YouTube. Uh, if you're new or an old knight, there are so many reasons to get behind these guys and listen, subscribe to their channel day in and day out, articulately uh, uh, discussing the Big 12 in such an insightful and educational manner. Big time guests, historical uh, talking. So we really appreciate it. Thank you very much, uh, Royce MC Gusto in the chat room. Wanted to say thank you to, to you right off the top, spreading the word about what we do every day on 365 Sports.
7: Yeah, it was, re- it was really nice. Uh, I hope you come out and see us all when we're in Orlando uh, later. Very excited about that trip. And, uh, yeah, the UCF fans have, have responded well. I, our numbers last month, I think, Orlando was on our top ten markets of people, like more people watching Orlando than did uh, maybe even in Waco. So um, we're, we're big in, in, in O-Town, which uh, – which is uh, what's always a life goal of mine anyway. So uh, really happy that uh, that uh, people in Orlando or, or, you know, UCF fans across the country are, are picking us up.
3: Yeah, no, really appreciate the kind words. Uh, big shout out to all of the uh, UCF fans out there. And if, you know, Twitter hadn't gone into whatever weird state it's in right now, uh, maybe I'd have seen more of the conversation. But I know we talked about UCF the other day, and I saw like one – Mention because I don't I don't check like my Twitter notifications often enough and sometimes I miss some things, but I know we were talking about UCF the other day and I mentioned that, and I don't know how I phrased it, but like the main reason why they're being you know looked at as a team that could slide in is uh, John Rice Plumley and the fact they've got their quarterback back in comparison to the other three that are all breaking in new guys and um, I think that's a major reason why is because Plumley's a playmaker I think Malzahn's another reason why. But I did have somebody and I I saw like one tweet about it that was like, Hey, we also got some defense. We also got this and that. And it's just nice to have that back and forth. Um, and I don't know, like I said, if there was any more to it than just that, but I appreciated him or her interjecting and saying, No, we, we got more than that. But yeah, my point was just kind of like, Yeah, but Plumlee's the reason why you go like, okay, that's the, that's the starter for you along with Malzon, but they do have, you know, more in their arsenal. And I'm excited to see how that all comes together and is equipped uh, when they take the field as a Big 12 team here. And, Just a couple of months now. All
6: right, we're going to discuss this uh, over the next few minutes. And uh, you, the fan base, uh, if you would have voted, we've seen some of you that have mentioned what you would do at one or whatever. But it took time. We mentioned that. Paul was busy for 31 days, and so he didn't do the preseason media poll. 32 days. I forgot that extra half day when he flew back to get on Texas time. But had you done one, I did mine. I published it. And and then also uh, the young – studs we have a part of 365 sports to put it up on a reel like 14 13 12 and counting down and i i did not know and I, i the response i got was for the most part maybe one or two that were like you're a little bit low with so and so i think oklahoma state like barry campbell thought i had them too low but here is the preseason poll on our right thank you garrett number one And let's go through the 14, and then we'll go back, pick and choose how we discuss it. Number one, Texas. Kansas State, two. Number three, Oklahoma. Texas Tech is four. TCU and Baylor, five and six. Followed by Oklahoma State, UCF, Kansas, Iowa State, Brigham Young, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. The same five or six, I had one through six the same. I had eight and nine, or seven and eight flipped. I had Kansas 10. I had Iowa State 11, Brigham Young nine, and then the other three I did have in some particular order, Houston, Cincinnati, West Virginia. So maybe it does make sense, although to me it was a very difficult thing to do. And I'm glad I did it now, and and interesting to see the results today.
7: Yeah, I don't disagree with the bottom three at all. Uh, I'm curious to see, BYU has a veteran quarterback in Keaton Slovis, but he's bounced around, so... Um, they're hoping this is finally the spot where he can he can kind of flourish and maybe the offense built around him will allow him uh, to do that. Um, and, and we talked about this a little bit last week when we did this. I I think six might be a little high for Baylor. Um, I just I just have to see this group together win games in in tight spots to put them that high. I'm not going to put them lower than than eight, but. Sixth is about my ceiling on Baylor, and, and nine would probably be about my floor. But I ne- I just need to see something more from them. And TCU at five makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're going to have probably, what, uh, nine to ten new offensive starters, although the offense will probably hum well along given the system. But still, you got to establish some chemistry and time and all that. So uh, most of it I, I feel pretty good with. And, look, this is might be the last time – uh, for a few years that Texas is going to be picked to win a league um, and not because they may not be good when they get to the SEC, but they might not be good enough to be better than Georgia or Tennessee or Alabama or the teams that are on top of that league right now. So that remains to be seen. But if uh, if they've ever had a chance in the last decade to win the Big 12, this is this is clearly the best one.
3: Might be the last time Oklahoma's picked a size three for a little while too, if you really think about it. Um, you know, maybe not, but there's certainly as much of a chance of that. I think when you look at the league and you know who they'll be contending with, it's been pretty much a layup to be one or two or three. You know, on on a down year, but um, yeah, I think that you know that's going to be interesting for both teams to see is where they kind of fall because they pretty much just popped up in the top you know part of the the league. Pretty much, I would think, almost every year. You know, uh, Oklahoma certainly for the longest time was your was pretty much automatic number one to put up there. So, interesting to see, you know, um, just the amount of teams for the first time. It's so big league compared to what you've been dealing with with just 10 teams where it's just kind of dot, 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 and you're done, and now you got four more who – there's a lot of unknowns about to try and fit in and, and see, you know, where exactly they mesh versus others. Uh, it's, it was a fun exercise to do, and I'm sure it'll become easier, you know, as we get more uh, acquainted with those teams. But uh, I think the most interesting thing to me off top is you've got six teams receiving a first place vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas clear in a the, the top vote getter, which I agree with because I had Texas number one as well. Uh K-State, Oklahoma. I think you can see the arguments obviously for K State and for Oklahoma as well. I mean, they lost a bunch of close games last year. They had some uh you know, injury issue there with Dylan Gabriel at you know more than one occasion. It gets hurt in the TCU game. Maybe that doesn't change anything. The Texas game, I mean, the game would have been closer than forty nine to nothing. I mean, he would have done more than Davis Bevel did in that game. It doesn't get hurt in the Texas Tech overtime. Maybe they win that game. And you look at it, and it's like, and I wrote about this today, Like they're not that far away from winning nine games last year if like a couple of things go differently for them. So it's not like, I mean, it was an historically bad season from the standpoint of it was the worst one they'd had in over 20 years. But it was nothing compared to most teams' worst seasons, and it wasn't that far off from being a little bit of a down, but not much of one, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think if you want to believe that with some retooling this offseason, they can bounce back and just have a little bit better luck and be okay. Um, then they could compete for the top because they they certainly got some good coaching and good talent. Um, Texas Tech, I know there's a lot of love for them right now, and I don't consider – I don't i don't buy them as a sleeper at this point. I mean, they've been talked about way too much to be a sleeper, uh, but I know they still are somewhat of an underdog compared to the three listed above them. But, yeah, I, I don't have any surprises that they've been mentioned. TCU, I think a very good chance that they could just roll on along and um, – Uh, Yeah, and then Oklahoma State's kind of a surprise there. Which of the ones
6: to you are too low?
3: Um, Well, you said Oklahoma State's a surprise, you think they should be lower? No, I think it's surprising that somebody voted them first place. Yeah, I know.
6: I I saw that. Wet Blanket brought that up, I think, or somebody did Oklahoma State with a first-place vote um
3: sorry i was just trying to get through all the first place teams and like i said there's a number of them there's six teams that got you know, first place votes so i, I just found I that that's most ever happened
6: i'm not sure if that's ever happened so i then just put in the chat room you know who won the conference kansas state was voted fifth last year Tech tcu played for the national championship they were seventh last year and if you look back at Baylor in 2021, very similar. Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State were 1, 2, and 3. Texas was 4. That's kind of about where they ended, you know, where they were. But Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State might have been the three most disappointing teams in the Big 12 last year.
7: Maybe so. And by the way, on Texas Tech, yeah, I don't think Joe McGuire is ever going to sneak up on people. He's a loud guy. Like, you're not going to have a program that's as, uh, doing as many big and boisterous things as they are and then sneak up on people, they're just going to maybe um, be – might be a little underestimated by some. But I, I think the tech – yeah, I don't think they're a dark horse anymore uh, in that. I agree with Craig. But, yeah, the the, um, the Big 12 is, is kind of the league of parity right now in that – um the Pac twelve uh, was like that too last year, where there were a lot of teams that really had a good chance to to win the league at, at different points and you know, win a game here or there, win a close game, and then you might have a different uh two teams that are in in the uh in the, the championship game and the Big Twelve last year, you know, was no different in that you know, you had a lot of teams that were in it for a good stretch and then and then it thinned towards the you know, in the in the last month uh or so. Last year if you look at the preseason, poll, which, again, means
6: nothing other than fodder in its discussion, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State did not meet those expectations. Kansas State was above them. Texas was about where they were. Iowa State didn't. They were sixth. West Virginia was eighth. Texas Tech was ninth, and they were obviously in that top three or four when they, the way they finished the year. And then Kansas was better than number 10. David Williams, as a diehard Longhorn fan – I would still not predict Texas to win the Big 12. Over the past 13 years that UT has not won the Big 12, they were probably the most talented team at least half of those years. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm not gonna, uh, I
3: not going to. I, I don't think there's it. much debate in that. I yeah. mean, given their recruiting classes and, and all that, I mean, it might look turned out different on the draft pick side of things. There might have been others who developed better and put more guys in over time. But, yeah, I mean, as far as – top to bottom talent level based on what we're told via the rankings and all of those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma could maybe be number 1, but they would be what at worst 2, at worst 1B. So, yeah, that's a very fair point. I think that's hard for people to to uh stru- I think it's a struggle for people to look at it though. It's like who's the best team? Well, if all comes together, who's got the best the team with the most talent? The team with the, you know, the talent that matches with the coach and I think they have that. But I know they've had that like you said, you know, 13 times in the last 13 years, and it hasn't necessarily, you know, worked out in the end, but I don't know. I I just, I have less questions about them than I have about anybody else, and I feel like if it is going to be their year, and I'm sure this has been said ad nauseum before too, it really does feel like this is their best chance. It's not a team of destiny, I don't think there's one of those, Uh, and if there is, then we'll find out in the season at some point, kind of like TCU or K-State last year. We didn't really know that until the season started, Uh, but I do think they have a lot of terrific pieces and an actual belief in what they're doing and some real confidence, not that fake bravado just because of the logo. They've got actual reason to believe, like, no, this thing is actually – we got something here, and I just get that feeling from them. And maybe I'm wrong, but, but that's why I roll, roll with them. And the fact that, you know, TCU lost a lot. Oklahoma's still in a little bit of a who will they, won't they be back on top. I'm just not quite ready to say, like, yeah, it's automatically theirs again. They got the mulligan, and, and they're, Brent, Brent's going to have them back, you know, winning the trophy right away. Uh, there's, there's just a few too many questions about others.
6: All right, so there's the media poll. A lot of you uh, responding. I have no clue about Iowa State. Uh, why would someone vote Oklahoma State? One new quarterback, new say. defensive coordinator. They lost several key pieces on defense. Um, uh, Cyclones should use the freshman quarterback immediately. Um, you know, so there's a lot of that. And there's they already may have to. Yeah. Wet Blankens said Kansas State, UT, and TCU would be his top three. So, uh, and then some mentioning Gary Patterson, no longer an analyst, who basically was the quasi defensive coordinator. With all due respect. Um, he's out, and you wonder if that loss affects them on the defensive side of the ball, even if it's just a little bit, because he was a brilliant X's and O's guy when it comes to defenses and being able to game plan certain teams. Um, deep, uh, let's see, from BU, Patrick... Uh, defense was better under Patterson, but that will take a step back. Offense was okay, but they did lose the best running back in B. John Robinson.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're not perfect by any means, and I do think there is something to say about you know Gary Patterson's role and what he did last year, but I also don't want to assume too much and act like that was all his doing. I know he deserves some credit, but there were others involved, no, and yeah. so until I see otherwise, I'm going to think that they also can coach defense as well mm-hmm. Pete Kwiatkowski and, and his staff. But no, that's absolutely a fair criticism. Losing Bijan, that's a fair criticism. But I mean, unlike a lot of other teams who might lose a Bijan, they've got what, like two five star running backs in the backfield that are marinating, um, or five, four stars, whatever they, they were in the end. Um, so yeah, I don't think that you just reload Bijan, but you add in, you know about as highly rated a guy as you can get. It's about mm-hmm. the best way other, outside of getting like a five star transfer. You could have replaced him. You've got every other position on the field on offense that is all back or enhanced in every way. So that's why you know I can say, yeah, Bijan's gone and that'll hurt. But they they just win a yep. different way. They don't rely on the run game as much. And maybe this is Ewers throwing it around to Nayor and Whittington and. Mitchell and uh, the yeah, big tight end Sanders. But and, they
6: have the offensive line now with all these right. big humans as they tweet out. Why not still be able to run the football well, no matter? But Bijan, you how special he was? He was great. One of the highest uh, NFL draft picks at running back we've seen. Not the highest, but among no, the went, highest in recent eighth years. eighth overall. Yeah. So
7: they'll probably be – I mean, I'm sure our notice will drop off at, at certain times – not only because he was just so great but you're talking about guys who've hardly played and it's also Roshan Johnson too yeah, who, is, yeah, who who has a really good chance to be a really solid NFL running back based on his build and running style and all the things that he does so yeah they're also they're not just losing guys who were talented they're losing experience so i would think that that's where the the gap would come in but Texas look, just under Tom Herman, Texas never really had a problem at running back other than Tom forgot that they existed mm-hmm. and, and would kind of just run the ball with Sam Ellinger all the time. Uh, and that was kind of their issue, is that if if you know they were down to that, then they weren't using all their weapons. I think it's gonna be a weird thing that when you look at Texas this year, if you look at it in reverse, you know, when we're sitting in twenty twenty four going, This is why they they won the Big Twelve or this is why they didn't. I think it does boil mostly down to if Quinn Ewers is opting out early for the draft, it probably means Texas had a very good year. If twin, Quinn Ewers is coming back, it probably means that they did not have a very good
6: year. That's a good point. Uh, and, and then again, he, he, you know, what, however they played, but that means he was very solid. Because
7: I think the reason they did not contend down the stretch for the Big 12 title last year and that they fell out towards the end was Quinn Ewers could not throw them to a win last year. It wasn't his fault necessarily they lost but if if you could take Bijan out of the equation and force them to have to throw it 45 50 times then they weren't going to win the that oklahoma
6: game. state game and there was the thought that he might have had some sort of an injury which is fine but that game he threw the thing like a, a wild young stallion pitcher who could not get to the strike zone he was everywhere injury or not Earl Carr Earl thank you for the comments about the show earlier I'm a Brigham Young fan but I agree with them at 11 too many questions that need answering defense is one of them so Earl thank you very much West Virginia guy 56 I see Neil Brown getting fired during our bye week and there's a lot of that chatter in the chat room too
3: yeah there's reason to believe that BYU can be a bowl team and perhaps, uh, you know, flirt with more of the upper half of the standings, but you're right. They do have some questions. You turn over on defense, you got a new quarterback, You got some new weapons to have to, you know, all assimilate and, um, you know, make one, uh, you know, one team that can go out there and and do it week in and week out. And you also add in that that team's now doing it in a a league for the first time in a long time and, and a bit of a different grind, even if they had pretty competitive schedules. So yeah, there's, there's enough questions to slot them down a little bit lower, but you know, they're going to have a lot of room to grow over the next few years, that's for sure. So, yeah, very interested in all four of the new teams and and where they ultimately end up. I think, you know, the Iowa State thing, you just kind of glossed over them, and I know we're there's 14 teams to talk about, but you know them being at the bottom is not really that big of a deal or probably surprising to most, but, you know, it's just kind of strange that Matt Campbell had all this fire, and they were playing in a Big 12 title game like three years ago, mm-hmm. and, you know, then they take the step back last year, and instead of feeling like, all right, it's all going to rebound, there's just not a lot of faith in them. So I don't know if that means that they're going to surprise people because they're still a bus saw to have to deal with. Like, that's still a grind of a game. It doesn't really matter who you are. It's going to probably be low scoring, and you're going to have bumps and bruises when you leave the stadium. Um, so that's that's still a grind of a game, but yeah, they've kind of lost some of their their footing that they had gained, and I don't know if they can recover uh, and surprise some people, or if that's kind of bound for where they're going to be, which would be you know pretty significant story given how hot of a name Matt Campbell's been over the last few years. Could they beat twenty one Baylor? I don't know about a run like that, but I, I think you, they could you know, surprise people. Somebody
6: could, by yeah. the way, uh, from Cole out of Austin, Texas won't replace Bijan, but they can recreate him in the aggregate with the offensive line and running back pool yep. they have, which is kind of what I mentioned in a way earlier.
3: And I do think Roshan's got to be mentioned too. Like if Paul brought him up, but yeah, that's you got to mention him as well cuz it was wasn't just bang, Bijan. Roshan yeah. was awesome. And so they lose two really good players in that regard, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm feeling the same way. If they don't need a Bijan Robinson at running back to accomplish what they need to accomplish. They need some guys who, you know, through the aggregate or whatever. Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks and uh, who am I missing here? Uh, the Blue. kid from
6: Kane. Jade Blue Kane's more of a like more of a, 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 a swift army knife for them. The kid from uh, out of Houston. at that- – he left high school a year early. He came out early, or did not play. Jaden Blue. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, from, um,
3: yeah, yeah. So they're they're gonna be, you know, pretty solid talent wise. But how does that translate? Yeah.
7: All right. Yeah. From Tony Clifton, go ahead. I have a question for the West Virginia fan who said I expect Neil Brown to get fired in the body. Oh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one in four would mean they've beaten Duquesne and lost to Pittsburgh, Pit, Penn State, Pitt. Uh, TCU and Tech. So that would make them one and four at the bye week. Sounds uh, about right. That, that, and okay. But if
3: they're two and three at the bye week and they beat Pitt, is he fired? I think it depends on those other games. Like Woo. if you go into the Big 12 and you get slaughtered, I mean, maybe that, that changes things. Pitt would be a nice win, but I don't know enough to be an emotional nice carry. Way, yeah carried through the rest of the season right like if you were to beat those teams you turn around and like get beat by three touchdowns by your big 12 teams in the first couple of attempts and I think everybody would go uh yeah this is not gonna go well the rest of the way but how early might they do that I don't know um it is a fair question unfortunately that is a question you have to wonder about you know hopefully for West Virginia's sake he he, uh wins you know a couple of those early games beats Pitt for example Maybe he gets an upset early on and he can kind of, you know, just stem the tide a little bit. But it's, it's tough. You know, the, the, the crosshairs are on him. There's no doubt about that. And he knows that probably as well as anybody. So he's going to have to go out there and play and, and hope things fall right.
6: Tony Clifton, Bijan's a Tucson South Point High School grad. The next five-star from that said school is Rushing, who is committing today, an Arizona From Tony, thank you very much for that information. Is in the hunt. We'll see how that goes. So, a lot of discussion. Appreciate all of you. David Williams, an advantage UT has is the talented depth they have at running back. We've mentioned that. Equally, they have eight offensive linemen good enough to start. We mentioned that. It was really aided when they got all five at one time a couple of years ago. And Banks, of course, what appears to be an automatic, he's going to be a part of the NFL. Now, What he does say, and we've said this before, Coach Sark has to balance the run and the pass, and at times Tom Herman struggled with that, and and obviously at times in the second half, Texas struggled with that
3: too. I think another thing that I take into consideration, not really for the full big picture, but at least in evaluating sort of what – Like, what could go wrong? Like, okay, running back, what's your depth like, right? Your depth, that's the big question for a lot of the new schools, if not all of the new schools, because that was a question for every school whenever they joined the Big 12 initially, was could they get the right depth, especially on the line? So for those four, I think that's going to be a big question. But I think in talking about depth with Texas, is yes, they now have it in a lot of key places and perhaps the most key places at quarterback. I mean, you look around and... If something does happen to Quinn Ewers, it's not necessarily to Arch Manning, but you got a Malik Murphy that's sitting right there, for example, or you have an Arch Manning that's sitting right there. So, yeah, I do agree that their depth across the board is about as good as it's probably been in quite some time from quarterback on down, and that's another reason why I give them a a couple extra points, but they're not the only one that's got quality depth, and clearly they're not the only one who people think have a chance to win this conference. I was surprised to see a first-place vote for Oklahoma State. I would love to hear the reasoning behind that. I do think that they – have as much of a chance to surprise people as they do to be a bottom team because I don't think any of us really know quite what to make of them until we actually see them go out there and play. Like, Alan Boehm is capable, but we've also seen the other side of that. So they're just a very mysterious team based off of kind of the way everything fell apart last year. But I wouldn't underestimate them. I mean, I, I think you know, Gundy's a good coach. He's been around longer than anybody in this conference for a reason. How many
6: years in a row they had a winning record? Is it seventeen? Yeah, that something, something like, insane so, like that. Yeah. yeah, that's just not just that's not a fluke. That means that's a trend, man. That's that's long term. Here's one question that was asked by Small: How much Smalls? How much? And then we got a break because we have a guest coming up at three thirty, Zach Barnett, who wrote a story about UT in the media poll and Big Twelve conference uh, earlier. How much of a disaster would it be if, in fact, both Texas and Oklahoma met for the Big 12 championship? We heard that same question last year. It was never close. Oklahoma faded immediately. Texas tried to climb back into it. Would it be a little bit difficult? Sure it would be if either one of them get in but this conference is deep it's competitive you never know but i'm sure texas and oklahoma you'd hit a lot of chance about sec like you did back in the days when texas a&m and missouri left for the sec
7: yeah i think it would it would sting a little bit but not as much as it had happened the last couple of years as they were you know as they had announced their way out the door since they've announced it neither one of them have played in the game so um you know it's it's the the four, you know, the four teams that have played, you know, Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State have all played for the Big Twelve championship. So I think that that kind of salved the burn a little bit uh, more. And if it winds up being Texas and Oklahoma uh, again, so what? I mean, then it, so it, like right they, now, so what? They're on their way out, yeah, and good for them if they good get good for there. them yeah. if it worked out. But I don't think it would be as bad as if it had been the last. Like this I think the last third year time. would have been even
6: tougher. Yeah. Not the one on the way out, although it would sting, but I think last year if they both had kind of run the table and met in the Big 12 championship game because it was such a, you know, the wound was still there from the announcement in the summer of 2021.
3: I think it would be really tough image wise to hear, you know, chance of SEC as one of them or, you know, going on to win a, a title. Um, I think that would be, you know, a tough pill to swallow for anybody who's. You know, a fan of the brand and to hear two teams, um, you know, chant something like that would be not a nightmare, but wouldn't be fun. But I think at the same time, you could kind of smile at the other side of your mouth, knowing, okay, thanks for the big ratings pop at the very end, yep. delivering us one last, you <laughs> ten, know, game. 12 or with, million. Yeah. yeah ten, so they'd still get something out of it and, you know, it'd be a worthy send off. I mean, Oklahoma in particular, uh, having won 14 Big 12 titles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have. A team win 10 straight, name a team. Any team win 10 straight, no matter who it is, they're not going to have 14 total. Like that's how ridiculous of a run they were on. So if anybody was, you know, a worthy adversary to, uh, or worthy team to play in that that game, it would be Oklahoma. And, you know, Texas As in a rematch of the Red River would be a big ratings draw, I would imagine. That means both teams are probably pretty good and maybe fighting for a playoff spot, which would be under the Big 12 banner. So there's kind of that weird part to it. Um but, yeah, that that would be a tough pill to hear SEC chance showering down as, as the Big 12 championship game was going on. But you got you get a little something out of it no matter what. Dustin,
6: uh, I'm a late to the show, but as an Oklahoma State fan, I'd have them lower. I would have them higher if Sanders was still there. Too bad the offense wasn't built around him. All right. When we come back, Zach Barnett, Football Scoop, he'll join us today. He wrote a story, in fact, earlier about UT. Also, Ari Temkin, who is uh, involved with the Big 12 Radio Network, one of the co-hosts with Dave Archer, former Iowa State quarterback, at 5.30. We'll have Andy Staples now up on 3.com at 5.10. Paul's Top 5, Craig's Off the Radar, Max Olson, The Athletic, and Mickey in the 4 o'clock hour. And this is 365 Sports. So earlier today, I've been telling you that I had an appointment at Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress. I walked in the door. And man, I got to tell you, just I guess from habit, I was like, man, why don't I just push it back? And yet he helped schedule the appointment so I could get some of the dental work done that I need before things get very busy, which really load up in August. So I walk in, I sit in the chair, and I'm told, okay, they're going to do three things. He's going to do three things today. One, he had to replace the crowd in my back, right? I've told you about It got chipped. Okay. And then he's going to extract, extract this back left. I was like, whoa. And then there's also a filling. So that, that was a great way to start today. But with him, I trust him. Now, what we did today, what he did today, was get rid of the old crown he put a temporary in, and I'll go back in a couple of weeks to have the new crown done. And then we'll work on the filling uh, a little bit later on down the road before football season starts. I cannot tell you how amazing that staff is. Uh, they are phenomenal. Dr. Steve Childress is elite. And I know, Paxton, I use that word a lot, but with Dr. Steve Childress, I will. He talks you through everything, the game plan and also how he's going to make things better. And he did it again today. It's an incredible place. If you need dental work or you're looking for a new place to get your dental work done, from teeth cleaning to root canals to extractions and crowns, Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas.
8: Make this the summer
1: sales event going on now at Allen Samuels. Shop our large selection of new inventory and get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler minivans, or a sporty Dodge. Shop allensamuelsdcj.com
8: or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! One
6: size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. IBC
7: Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lake Shore Drive, North Nineteenth Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street behind
1: the bank.
6: Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrapped fillets to t bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken. Breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco or WacoCustomMarketplace.com.
1: 365 Sports.
4: The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco.
6: Zach Barnett, Football Scoop joins us. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke in the middle and this is 365 Sports. Zach, thanks for your time. And when I reached out to you about a segment you mentioned today and then you also mentioned that you had written an article about Texas. And, of course, you do a lot of coverage of everything college football. So we went through the media poll with Texas being one and then Kansas State two. Your thoughts about the media poll, did you do one? Were you a part of that as well?
9: No, I did not vote. Uh, have voted in the past, did not vote this year. Um, but if I had a vote, I would have uh, I'd chosen Texas partly um, due to faith in the Longhorns, and partly due to uh, lack of options elsewhere.
7: <laughs> Zach, this is—I mean, obviously, their last year in. Um, and do you think that this is a team that can also contend for the CFP, or is this a team that can certainly contend for the conference title, but they might be still a year or so away from from CFP good?
9: Well, I think I think this year's team is going to be better than next year's team uh just due to where they are in their roster cycle they could have 12 guys like if you told me this time next year they have 12 guys that are going into nfl training camps, not necessarily 12 guys drafted but 12 guys going into nfl training camps i wouldn't bat an eye they have a they're going to have a very veteran team you know i mean they return everyone on offense outside of Bijan and roshan and so that's going to come at a cost so they're uh they're skilled position players their their secondary is going to take a hit going into 2024 uh, they're they're set they're they're their veteran across the defensive line um you know not young but they they've got key vets on the offensive line so i think this is a year that if they're going to do it anytime soon this is this is the best opportunity
3: as for their soon to be you know SEC counterpart there they've typically they, they haven't you know, had to wait since 2009 to be atop the preseason. Paul, Oklahoma's been on top of that bad boy plenty of times and followed through with it. But last year does leave, you know, some questions, uh, Zach. There's reasons when you look at the roster and, and the game results from last year to see how they could have been much better and things just didn't break their way. But obviously a lot of, you know, newness there. How do you think they adjusted that with Brent Venables in year number two?
9: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd tell you they, they like their uh, their defensive uh, personnel a lot better than they did uh, this time last year, and I'm I certainly think they're going to be improved there. I, I don't think they're going to be top of the conference or anything like that, but they're going to be improved. And I, I mean, I think you can make an argument that the most important person in the program is, is Jackson Arnold. Like they were, uh, there, there was no hiding from the fact that they were screwed if if Dylan Gabriel went down, and of course he did for the better part of two games, and we saw what happened. So if he were to go down. This year, then they, they have some insurance, which I think allows them to be a little bit more uh, cavalier in how they used him, you know, in the run game and, and really, um, you know, get the most out of him. Because Jackson Arnold, I mean, excuse me, Dylan Gabriel, he's not a he's not an All American, but he is a solid, solid college football quarterback, and uh, I think he's going to have to be the straw that stirs the drink for them because their their skill talent is is frankly, as, as average as I've seen an Oklahoma team in a long,
6: long time. Zach, you mentioned earlier that you would have had Texas one, and I, I had them one. I released my one through 14 sometime last week, and then you mentioned because of perhaps not default, but because of well, there's not one that just jumps out at you. Does the logo of Texas affect that decision? Because it has in the past with many of these polls, and we've seen in the end how many times they've underachieved.
9: You know, I think I, I I think yes and no. Uh, I think if, if you put all, all the Texas players, if you put them all in Oklahoma State Cowboy uniforms or West Virginia Mountaineer uniforms, you put this exact team in, in Mountaineer uniforms, they, they probably wouldn't be number one. But at the same time, I think the, the logo, I mean, that, that logo carries a lot of baggage with it in a way and uh, I, a lot of unfulfilled expectations. And, and in my article, I went, actually went back and looked and it's not like Texas has been picked to win the big 12 every year and, and they're just falling short. Like in general, the the big 12 preseason poll is pretty accurate to how Texas finished. Like the big 12 media has a pretty clear eyed view of this team. You know, in, in most years they were picked to finish fourth and they finished fourth. You know, it's not like they, they're picked to finish first and, and finished eighth or anything like that. So, you know, all that to say, I, I think there, there might be some people that picked them to win because they're Texas, but I think there might be other people that picked against them just because they're Texas.
7: What, were there any surprises to you in that, or like people who you thought were too low?
9: Uh, I'm not going to say too low, but, I mean, it, 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 it had to be a slap in the face for West Virginia to come in 14th out of 14 uh, with, with, with Neil Brown, uh, entrenched there going to uh, year three, year four. I, I apologize. I don't have that off the top of my head, but a, a new AD there. Um, I mean, if, if they actually finish 14th, I, I can't see any way Ren Baker brings him back. I mean, to, to be below, you know, a transitioning Cincinnati program, uh, to be below a, a Houston team that, you know, is not Big 12 ready. That roster is not ready to, to, to compete week in, We out in the Big 12 to. Be below them is a, a cold dose of reality for the Mountaineers.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. Uh, yeah, that's got to be a little bit of a of a, a tough pill to swallow. But with those new four, who are you expecting? Uh, are you a UCF guy like a lot of people seem to be as far as who might make the easiest transition? Is it BYU because that schedule? I know you just said it's, it's definitely – your answer is not going to be Houston. I know that. But where do you kind of <laughs> fall on the new four and who might make a, a wave or two in this first year?
9: Uh, I, I default to UCF uh, just because I, I trust John Rice Plumley more than I trust kidon Slovis. The, the transfer by way of USC and Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, John Rice Plumley is just one of those guys that I think a lot of us have a, a soft spot for in college football. That just he, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback, but the the guy can make plays happen on a college field. And uh, you know, I, I'm a believer in Gus Malzahn. They, I mean, UCF has all the ingredients that. That, that that you need to to build a contender. They have, obviously, they don't have Florida all to themselves, but as a Big Twelve school, you know they have that identity. So if there if there's someone that's going to come in and um, in rec shop in year one or, or surprise people in year one, it's probably the nice. And also, uh, BYU has has Oklahoma and Texas on their schedule. I, I think it might be back to back weeks. I know it's both late in the year, so that that's going to be a tough draw for them.
6: Who is this year's TCU or 2021's Baylor?
9: Um, I, I'm going to – you know, the, the, the popular answer is Texas Tech. And, I, I mean, who can, who can uh, decry what, what Joey McGuire is doing with that roster? But I'm going to go against the grain a little bit and just say Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I'm a believer in Mike Gundy. Uh, the, the guy is a ball coach with a capital B and a capital C – and you know what what i think what he's done what he's going to do with his offense moving forward is i think going to be a really interesting response to the 335 defense that has taken over this conference much like the the spread offense the air raid did 20 years ago uh yeah i think you're going to see oklahoma state play uh multiple tight ends on the field at all time i believe they they said they're going to go under center which is i'm not i hope they check the conference bylaws to see to make sure that's still allowed in the big 12 <laughs> Uh, and just try to really, uh, you know, counter the, these three man fronts by you know, expanding the line of scrimmage and making these three down defenses have more gaps to, to, to fill.
7: Yeah, it'll be easier to pick an all Big Twelve tight end uh, at the end of the year. So that's always been a tough thing to do when like there's one guy who has 50 catches and the next guy has four uh, <laughs> at the end of it. They had four, uh, yeah. <laughs> four catches for six yards and three TDs uh, is usually the stat of the second guy in that uh, on that team. Uh, Zach, uh, moving across the country, uh, the San Diego State situation was really interesting, and um, you know, we had had um, a writer on who covers them exclusively last week and said that their initial letter to the Mountain West was kind of a shot in the dark because they didn't know anything and then you've seen kind of the things that have gone back and forth and will wind up you know eventually somebody's going to write a check for some amount of money and this will all go away but just from the outside looking in on how awkward this continues to be and a ripple effect of the Pac-12's disastrous to this point media negotiations.
9: Yeah, I I mean, I have to think, someone uh, dug this up. It wasn't me, but it was July 5th, 2022 that the PAC-12 was uh, announced that they're going to pursue a new TV contract. And I I believe if you went out west and asked everyone in the PAC-12, you know, their reaction, if they'd still be uh, in search of a new contract on uh, July 6th, 2023, they would have said no, absolutely no way. And yet here we are. So, I mean, I, I just have to believe that there's been back channel communications between the PAC 12 and San Diego state. to be like, Hey guys, you know, we're gonna have it done by X state. You're good. You're good. Just, just, just hold on. But you know, San Diego state's actions tell us that that maybe probably hasn't happened. Like you wouldn't uh, maybe be acting in the way that San Diego state is if you had more information. So, you know, maybe, maybe a, a year from now, everything works out and San Diego state's on their way to be in the Pac-12 at that seventeen million dollar price tag, but I mean, who who really knows with, with this the way the Pac-12 is run?
6: Well, my question, and I asked this yesterday, and Craig was trying to ask this as well, all of us were. Why would San Diego State send the letter if they had not yet been invited?
9: I think because conference realignment it works in the same way that, that coaching that coaching hires work. No one is invited to join a conference until they've already joined it. And, and no coach accepts – is offered a job until he's already accepted. It. So I, I think that's just yeah. – that's the way that song and dance works in, in those circles.
6: Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com. We did have this conversation. And again, thanks for your time, Zach, and any anytime we can get you on. So you also follow the coaching changes. I mean, it's not fair to discuss it in a way, but there already has been even in our chat room – who in the Big Twelve, if you put one, two, or three in order, are on the biggest hot seat? And would Neil Brown be one, two, and three?
9: Uh, you know, I think I think that might be fair at this point. I mean, Dana. There were I'll, I'll say this. There were rumblings about Dana uh, in November or in December, excuse me. I, I had a conversation uh, with a coach. Uh, you know, flat out asked him, are you going to be the next Houston head coach? And he was like, you know, I've heard that rumor, but you think at some point someone would tell me. So th- th- there was, there was chatter out there about Dana. And that's a situation at, at Houston where, you know, if Tillman's happy, he, he's not, then Dana's going to be entrenched there. If Tillman's not happy, no matter what the, the number says on the contract, there, there's going to be a change there. And so it, it's an interesting situation no, I, I I wrote a piece back in February where uh, Dana lays out all the things you know all all the different ways that Houston's kind of behind in joining the Big Twelve, and he's not necessarily wrong. Like their their fundraising, their giving is, is well behind. You know even even the other schools that were that are joining the Big Twelve from the American and, and plus BYU, and their facilities. You know they're fine, but they they got to keep playing catch up. And then, you know they have the city of Houston, their fan support. Is just not there, not at a Big 12 level. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think Dana was telling the truth, but I also think he was buying himself some cover. Like, hey y'all, you know, you asked me to go play in the Big 12 and, you know, I need, I need Big 12 support. And so if, if Houston goes four and eight or something like that this fall, I think you could, Dana, you know, his worries could be tossed aside and they could go bring someone else in there. I can definitely see that
6: happening. It all depends on how he reacts if it's a tough start, right? Because he is not afraid to go popping off. And, in fact, we've had Chris Chris Pesman on the AD. They kind of know that. Uh, It it just all depends on uh, who wouldn't react maybe uh, in in an angry way if things start to go south a little bit uh, because of the pressure of winning and joining the Big 12. I would think, though, Zach, a year in the conference at least he earned that or not and see how things go, and so at least you get two years in the conference?
9: I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think, I mean, Houston's not in the Big 12 because Dana Holgerson's their head coach. Like, they'd be in there regardless of anyone. But at the same time, it's a tough ask to go for anyone. I, I think Nick Saban will have a, a hard time winning in the Big 12 with, with Houston, at where they are right now. So I, I, I think it defaults back to how you know, Dana handles that with his interpersonal relationships with people on campus, you know, how he, you know, interprets whatever happens to them. You know, I think you touched on that before, you know, if, if among the coaches that, you know, I'd want to show up to work at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning after a bad loss, you know, I feel okay with Joe McGuire. It was my boss. And, you know, it wouldn't be fun, but we'd get through it. Dave Miranda would be high on my list. Uh, if, uh, if Dana was my head coach, I might, I might call him sick that Sunday. So, You know, he can be, you know, pretty cantankerous. So that's the big wild card here.
6: Zach, keep it up. Thank you very much for your time. FootballScoop.com. Zach Barnett with us here on 365 Sports. We have other college football analysts, columnists, et cetera. Uh, Max Olson will join us. Uh, Ari Temkin will join us. And also Andy Staples will join us today on the show here on 365 Sports. One of the questions I'm having fun with uh, uh, is the – with Cobb, he said, "So what is Baylor's record against Texas A and M?" And kind of like you know what's what fans do. And I responded, probably about the same as A and M's record against Texas. No, Maybe that's... not as many wins, not as long, but it's a one sided Matt... affair. It's always interesting when a team. And I love you, man, Chris Cobb, for bringing it up. But I I I, I don't know the history, but I know it's pretty close to that.
7: What? Well, math like mathematically over the like. The same amount of time. It probably is... the, the I guess the difference would be A and M finally in the eighties and early nineties like was able to beat Texas more than like once in a row, uh, which was not something. It's <laughs> once in a row. Yeah, one time like they could do it. They did. R.C. Slocum. R., the reason R.C. Slocum is the greatest coach in A and M history is he he he's the only guy who ever flipped the script on Texas. Yeah, ever that, that that you know when that the history of that rivalry. So he was the only guy who ever really truly flipped the script on him. Uh, Baylor just since nineteen. 19- 79 or so just could not beat a and m at all and they had one or two wins and a tie yep. and it was just a really bad stretch but of they 30 were years awful they...
6: really from the early 90s until yeah the, until they had well the, of course they had the overtime win with sean bell and uh, uh the receiver from Colleen. what's well, who am i who am I ziegler ziegler yeah dominique ziegler all right the chat room is rolling and it's fun, and we appreciate that. And we're not done. This is 365 Sports. Discover Woodway had their a parade. In fact, I saw part of it on 4th of July on a Tuesday morning as, as I was driving to go play a round of golf at Bear Ridge, and people were getting ready. It was a little bit later, but there were, you could see the trucks and all the flags, and it was awesome to watch all of that as they were starting to get ready. So that's gone would never forget 4th of July now the acoustic night which I've brought up before is around the corner when I first mentioned it I said man that's a couple of months from now July 19th six thirty, acoustic night an evening of stories and songs at the Carling Bright Arboretum in Woodway acoustic night featuring Thomas Zobra Gabe Lee and uh, Caleb Cottle join them evening of stories and songs Carling Bright Arboretum Whitehall Patio gates open at six thirty. For more information, by the way, parking available at the pavilion, at the arboretum, or also at City Hall and the Woodley Fa- Woodway Family Center. If you want more, if you are interested, it's admission free. But more information, go to DiscoverWoodway.com. <laughs> Aaron Duvall, owner, of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business?
2: We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business. And we've specifically gotten into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, – sell directly to the public.
6: Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession?
2: We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's uh, such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have uh, you know a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really
6: consistently good beef every time where is the best beef in texas your house when you order from texas beef house unleash the flavor of texas raised
3: wagyu from our pasture to your plate texasbeefhouse.com In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel & Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel & Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel & Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at pioneersboys.com.
6: Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier, elite, life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, wacotennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive and Wake.
4: this is 365 sports text us at 254-339-1122 the text line is sponsored by riverbends liquor and wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in waco a hidden gem on lakeshore drive and 19th street
6: here we go. This uh, Max Olson segment on Thursdays usually right around four o'clock. He joins Craig Paul and I, am David Smoke. Max, I've already seen uh, the responses, the stories. They, they are part of the Athletic on UT the preseason poll with the Big Twelve. Your thoughts about what you saw as it was released?
10: Yeah, wasn't shocked that it was Texas. Um, I, I did not full disclosure uh, have a vote in this, so I you know I I ballot together on this one, but. Wasn't shocked it was that you know that it was Texas just based on kind of the name recognition of the players they've got coming back, and obviously we saw that yesterday with the All Big Twelve team. Uh, I thought the sorting on on really one through five is definitely you know one through six is definitely interesting though. I mean I think you know you can make an argument that Texas Tech should be higher than Oklahoma. You could certainly make an argument that we're sleeping on TCU even with what they you know with losing eight NFL players off last year's team, um, and honestly, fellas. Based on the Big 12 we've watched every year, if I told you, like, the Big 12 title game is going to be, like, Texas Tech versus Kansas, you'd probably say, like, eh, that's possible, I guess, right? I mean, it's, it's still – it's hard to know what to make of these new teams, and, and obviously, like, there's probably going to be some sleepers in this, uh, you know, this kind of, like, 5 to 10 range that have really good years.
7: Oklahoma State got a first place vote uh, from someone who, who's very confident in Mike Gundy, and and look, he he's got the track record. But is this kind of the 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 height of the weeds that that Gundy likes to lay in and and let people doubt him that he's a got a middle of the pack team? Yeah, I I think
10: so. Um, you know that the, they feel like certainly there's a lot of things that have to come together for this team, but they I know they feel pretty good about. Um, Alan Bowman uh, coming in from Michigan I think they feel pretty good about the transfer portal haul that they had to replace you know what they lost there was obviously a lot of attention on uh, some of the guys that they lost this off season, but I think they did a pretty good job of replacing them and you know really the X factor here is going to be Brian Nardo the new defensive coordinator uh, from Gannon University and you know he's really trying to implement an Iowa State style odd front defense you know do you have the personnel for that do you have you get enough reps in the off season and, 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 you know, in, in September to really build a really solid defense for Big 12 play. I think that's going to be the challenge. Uh, but, you know, I think Oklahoma State will be, you know, right in the mix here just as they were, you know, middle of last season before all the injuries they had.
3: Max, do you think people have a hard time – trying to figure out baylor this year uh, and, and the way the last couple of years have gone from the highs of you know big 12 title sugar bowl a couple years ago to just whatever that was that was all out of whack last year um and they haven't shown to be a top level team uh, in the last you know based on last season and there's a lot of question marks i, I feel like they're one of those teams kind of like maybe in oklahoma state that that it's just kind of hard to peg them right now how about you yeah,
10: I I think that feels right. I mean, was there were, were there any Baylor players that you guys were like dead set on like, wow, they should have been on the All Big Twelve team yesterday?
3: No, no, no. Yep.
10: Yeah. And I think that, that that doesn't mean they don't have players that, that can help them compete for, for a conference title or anything like that. It's just with some of these teams, you kind of go down the lineup and you're like, okay, it's a bit more improving going into this year, and you've got a lot to kind of figure out. And yeah, I I think that there's you know it's kind of the nature of the beast with the schedule that we, that uh, these teams play in this conference that you're going to end up in a lot of close games and and somebody has to lose those close games. But yeah, you're right. I I don't think that, especially considering at this time last year we were talking about Baylor number one uh, on this list. Um, You know, it, it certainly doesn't seem like they're getting kind of like the, the, maybe the, like the same kind of like scrutiny in a positive way this off season in terms of what they're bringing
6: back. Max, this is a fair question, and it's one that I ask myself: How much or how much different would the media poll be if the Texas players and team roster coach had a West Virginia or maybe a UCF jersey on? Hmm.
10: Well, did people like the year that West Virginia was loaded with Will Greer? I think people still voted them pretty high, right? Second or third or something like that. I mean, I, the funny thing is that Texas is not. You know, we we've always put Oklahoma at the top of this, like by default. And part of it is because they won six Big Twelve titles in a row. Uh, but I mean, it, it, Texas has not been number one in this thing since they were voted first in the 2009 mm-hmm. uh, poll. And and that year they actually you know played for a national championships. So good call by the people that voted on that one. Of course, I was a, a young child at that point in time, right? <laughs> but um, you know, I think I think there's a. Uh, you know, yeah, there, sure. There's, there's like, there's always like a real skepticism here when kind of Texas automatically gets slotted into a preseason top twenty-five, um, just based on the recruiting rankings and things like that. But I don't know, guys. Like, you you go through the roster there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they legitimately do have like fifteen returning starters from last year's team. I mean, I I understand it's it's you know you can point to Sark's resume. You can point to um, how much Texas has. Um, you know. Overpromised and underdelivered in terms of the talent they've had over the past decade, but this is kind of one of those years where, like, gosh, there's really kind of, especially in the last year in the Big Twelve, there's really no excuses. Like any game they lose besides Alabama, like you know, it, it, there's like not going to be a lot of patience for. I don't think. Like I, I think this is a team that uh, it, it's got to be Big Twelve title game or bust.
5: Yeah, Max,
7: I I have a hard time seeing them finishing, you know, less than ten and two. Honestly, you know, nine and three, I guess, would be the floor for them. So that may not get them in the top four of the CFP, but that certainly probably this year for sure, especially if one of those losses is to Bama, puts them in the Big 12 title game.
10: Yeah, and, you know, look, there's a lot of – I mean, even with Texas, there's a lot of stuff that has to go right. I mean, certainly Quinn Years has to play his ass off for Texas to to be playing for a Big 12 title. And, you know, he's still a young guy who I I think – you know, is going to, to show a lot of progress from last year. Certainly, you know, the combination of, of Bijan and Roshan was really special, and there are talented players in that running back room, but you've got to find, um, you know, the right balance there in a workhorse and all that. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still pieces of this that are unproven, um, but I think the continuity they've had overall as a staff and the ability to, you know, add some pretty good players Uh, via the portal um, to to maybe improve some of these positions where they're a little bit lighter. Like, I think from a roster-building standpoint, it's hard to knock what they've done so far. Now they got to actually go out and win with it.
3: We just had uh, somebody bring this up a a couple minutes ago, or a few minutes ago, but West Virginia dead last. Okay, that's fine, but that's behind all four new schools. Is that a severe level of disrespect, or do you think that's about right, actually?
10: I, I don't think it's right. No, I, I don't think West Virginia is the worst roster um, or, or worst, you know, starting 22 or however you want to judge this stuff of of the 14 schools. I, I think that there is, you know, I think it's just going to be a real thing. And I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking the newcomers, but, you know, ultimately, and, I, and I've had this conversation with Dan Holderson before, who's about to go through this again. He learned this when he went, when he went from the Big East to the Big 12 at West Virginia. Um, you know, you can be very successful in the league that they were coming from if you've got a pretty strong starting lineup. <laughs> and if if and, and, and it's a real star, some you know, a couple NFL players. I, I think to be successful in the Big 12, you really do need like 40 plus really good players. I mean, I think that's what it's going to take. And so it's going to take you know, from a long term standpoint, for you know, for Cincinnati who's rebuilding with a new staff, um, for for you know. The rest, I mean, for for BYU, for Houston, for UCF, like, I think it's going to take time um, to to build up a, a program that can really contend. And so I'd be kind of inclined to slot them towards the bottom. And I think West Virginia figured some stuff out at the end of last season. And, uh, you know, obviously real question marks in, in a legitimate, you know, hot seat situation there. But I, I wouldn't just assume West Virginia is worse than that.
6: Last thing, Max, uh, and maybe still have a couple more questions left. But yeah, you yeah. wrote the article in late May about Matt Campbell and how excruciating it was in 2022. Quote: It was gut wrenching in every way, shape, and form. On changing, trying to figure out right what he was doing after he was basically the golden child, and the last couple of years have been disappointing. People still feel like they're going to be in that maybe at the bottom, make like ten, nine, eight, eleven, whatever. How much? Did last year eat at him?
10: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Iowa State, it's been nothing but positivity uh, in Ames, Iowa from, from the start with the Matt Campbell era. I, I mean, this is a, a staff and a team, uh, the teams they built, that have, that have achieved so many firsts in that program, and you have to kind of keep that perspective. Uh, but certainly last year, I mean, they start 3-0, and they finally beat Iowa, and then the wheels totally fall off. I mean, they had more injuries than they've ever had before. Uh, certainly, the quarterback play um, in, in going from Brock Purdy to Hunter Decker's um, wasn't up to the standard. You know, they had no run game. Defensively, they were one of the best in the conference and one of the best in the country, uh, and just offensively couldn't get it going at all. I, I think there's real optimism uh, that they've got someone really special in Nate Shieldhouse to run the offense. Now he's been on this staff for a while, coached the running backs and the receivers, and, and is now coaching the quarterbacks. Uh, and, and I really think is is a, a future star in this business, and so I think they feel really good about that. They overhauled the offensive staff um, quite a bit. And I think they feel like they, – and they absolutely love the freshman class they brought in. I think they're going to be playing a lot of young guys this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I was curious to see where Iowa State got slotted in this. But, um, you know, I and, and I think it's going to be – this is probably more of a grow year than a contending kind of year. But, man, I, I think they're heading in the right direction um, from, you know, losing a, a bunch of really talented, like, best players they've ever had uh, they've got to develop a new crop of those guys, but I think they feel pretty good about where they're heading again.
6: Max, Greg, thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoyed your vacation. Get your back your, yourself back to work, and let's get going. I'm going to see you next week. Yes, sir, yep. you will. We'll be right there. Bright-eyed in right. on Wednesday and Thursday. Look forward to seeing Max Olson along Can't with wait. everybody. Yes. yes, sir. Thank you, Max. Appreciate your time. Uh, David Williams on the chat. Man, the chat's great today. It always is, but it's really just so focused on so many things because we have football to discuss. It was mentioned earlier that the Big 12 Conference routinely is difficult to evaluate. Adding the four additional teams to the conference, I think it's almost impossible to determine how teams finish is what I said when I released my one through 14, which I wasn't going to do because I thought it was just like, okay, why am I going to put my hand out the window and like slam it into a telephone pole? Because of exactly that, even when it was ten, much less now with fourteen.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just think there's a, an overall lack of knowledge of the four teams for everybody. Even if you know, you know, a good number of things about them, you still don't know how they're going to acclimate right away. So, there's, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like one or two teams, four teams. Like that's, that's, almost half of what the Big Twelve was size wise a year ago, right? Like mm-hmm. so, that's pretty significant when you're talking about, you know, that many new members. And, uh, yeah, I mean, every team's got plenty of reasons to to be confident that they'll be better than expected or about what they're expected or plenty of reasons to say, like, yeah, they're going to take a step down. It's, it's going to be a fascinating year. It really is. I don't know if it'll be this way every single year, but it might because once you take Texas and Oklahoma out of the equation, well, they're what? I mean, I know that Texas has not been picked at the top since 2009, and Oklahoma was picked at the top pretty much every <laughs> single year for quite a while there. So take Oklahoma out of the equation. There's a team that's been in the top two, maybe three, nothing beyond that. I can't, I can't imagine. Um, and then Texas, I don't know what their worst slot would have been, but I can't imagine it was any lower than like four. Uh, if even that, so that, yeah, that takes two of the top, you know, perennial uh, or the, the top annual, you know, list uh, boat getters off, off the, you know, list entirely. And, leaves you with 12 teams who are all about equal, really. I mean, one might have one – you know, TCU's got the playoff card right now. but Cincinnati? You know, Cincinnati's got the playoff card. But, I mean, those don't trump, like, you know. There's
7: about to be 12 teams, so, like, none of them
6: are among the the blue bloods. Right, yeah. They all have had their sporadic and sometimes more consistent, but none of them are in that as far as thought.
3: Like Baylor and K-State can say, well, we've won the most Big 12 titles now. We've each got three and Texas has three, and then Oklahoma has the 14, but, you know, I, I don't place TCU or, I mean, uh, K-State or Baylor at the top because of that, you know, so, like, yeah, there's just, there's, everybody's accomplished something at some point. BYU's won a national title, but it was also, you know, three decades ago. Everybody's had their, their moments, but uh, nothing here so recently that they've become so dominant that when we slide into the next phase, it's like, oh, that team's clearly the team, and they're going to be the one that leads. You see that conversation of who's going to lead. It's going to be... Somebody depending on what year we're talking about. It could be, it, uh, look at the first place votes. All those teams minus OU in Texas yeah. are pretty much every year going to be right there in the mix, some combination. And then then the newcomers as well. Well, the original Big 12 had three teams that had dynastic runs at different periods in their history.
5: Yeah.
7: In, the, in Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Texas. Now, all three of those teams will be gone. And now you have no team. There's no team in the Big 12. And this is not a knock. This is just a fact. They have no teams that have ever had a dynasty that have been a legit.
6: Bill Snyder was trying to get there and it just it ran out of gas.
7: Yeah, but they, they
6: were not. Yeah, they were not a dynasty. So, And we're not talking about 1930s TCU.
3: No, right. I'm, I'm talking don't about. don't need to. You talk about 2022 TCU, yeah, the you dynasty. know, maybe starting the dynasty. Yeah, like, well, if, yeah. De- yeah
7: if that right. happens, good for them. A decade long run of owning the conference and, and being at the top of college football. None of them have had that. And. That is the way that most of college football is is going to be now, with a twelve team playoff, with transfer portal, with name, image, and likeness. All that parody is going to be more across the board. And now, even realignment the, affecting blue bloods that are in yeah. the stacked conferences. So there will be you know teams that run away and hide for a while, like Georgia. You know Oklahoma ran away and hid with this conference for most of the time. They won fourteen uh, of of the titles. But I think that if you look at the teams that have. Have, are left or they're coming into the Big Twelve. There's not a dynasty among them, which is makes for what's going to be a, a league that's going to be very different almost every single year.
6: I agree. Uh, and what will be fun? Well, who will be the 21 Baylor? Who will be 22 TCU? And there will be somebody, whether they get to a championship game or not, somebody will probably do that among those who are ranked, perhaps in the bottom half. Of the Big 12 media pool.
3: Well, and we mentioned 22 TCU. Let's also remember 22 K-State, who actually well, won the Big were, 12.
6: But, yeah, but and, weren't they, like, picked third or fourth last year?
3: Were they? Okay. I am not, I'm not. I wasn't thinking uh, about no, from I that think they standpoint. Were they were fifth. They were picked
6: fifth. Okay. They yeah, were yeah I wasn't fifth.
3: thinking about it from that standpoint. More like, um, I don't think that they were, like, a hardcore favorite no. coming in. And here they came in, and, you know, none of us realized what that championship game was going to amount to. Yep. You know, a team sitting there playing for the playoff and a title, and then, you know, the the finish that we got, and it actually turned out well for the Big 12 because they got another New Year's Six team. Granted, K-State got shellacked by Bama, but they still made the Sugar Bowl, and you still got TCU in the playoffs. So, yeah, that was that was an unforeseen title game for sure. I don't think anybody really had TCU-K-State pegged. When
6: Oklahoma State lost to Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, Baylor played the Sugar Bowl, and they won against Ole Miss. Oklahoma State played Notre Dame. Was that in the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah. So that's been a couple of years back-to-back where they've had two teams in the uh, New Year's Six type or names of bowl games. That would be good if they could continue to do that. But not in the
3: playoff. But not in the playoff.
6: No, not in the playoff. All right, thank you very much to Max Olson. Uh, Mickey is on vacation, so Ari Temkin, who's one of the hosts of the Big 12 Radio Network, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll have a couple more things to get to, and we will. And this is 365 Sports. New facility. More than twice the size of the old facility, Pioneer Still and Pipe, PioneerBoys.com, allowing them to uh, carry new inventory, uh, higher quantities of inventory in in much more organized fashion, although that was always something that they could find what you needed, get it to you immediately so you could start your project, whether real estate, commercial, or what it might be. Location may be uh, different. And it is, it's on Loop 340 and also Highway 6 east of 35. But the uh, handshake agreements, the relationships with customers, not just buying or selling something, you or them. Uh, Coach Aranda, they've brought this up before, Pioneer Seal and Pipe. Person over player, they see, they feel the same way, that same philosophy when it comes to the customers they have. Standard long lengths and tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, they now carry several shorter more convenient lengths of material already cut. So that means you don't have to spend time getting it cut, taking it to somewhere else, or you, you're you doing it yourself. 2,500-square-foot showroom, over 1,000 new products in stock. Welding supplies that are new Hardware is new Do-it-yourself components for the weekend warrior Or if you are a professional contractor They are a family business That's been in business since 1943 Bigger, better, faster and stronger With the same values It's PioneerBoys.com
8: The future's bright The time is now College is what you make it It's a late night pizza run And all-nighters coding a new project It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright.
6: John's Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one Cigar of the Year Aging Room, Cuatro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Arturo Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, vita dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talwa Shopping Center off Valley Mills in
7: Waco.
6: Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide. Affordable, highly effective. Good Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com.
8: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
7: Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation
0: six letters in the alphabet over 600,000 words in the dictionary and just three of them said together can change everything let's order pizza those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on marco's pizza that'll blow your mind so visit marco's.com to order and stop by marco's pizza in bellmead china spring woodway and in robinson marco's pizza lovers get it
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
4: The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and
6: Craig Smoke. We have crunched the numbers and also dissected the Big 12 media, the preseason poll. I saw Jim Williams, our good friend, former television exec, who said they're talking football. Isn't it fun just to discuss that and look at maybe ahead? We can do that every day. We do it at times every day, but at least there's something here for us to digest. And then maybe in three or four weeks, maybe a month or so, I think it's probably more than a month, the AP and coaches' polls will come out, and we can look at those too.
3: We'll have all the media day polls. Mm-hmm. It's just the Big 12 today. We'll have SEC S- S- and, and everyone SEC else. Yeah. and everybody. So that'll all be coming down the pipeline, not to mention, you know, whatever, you know, stories spring up because of a quote or, a, you know, a line that a coach delivers that lands a certain way, you know, especially at SEC media days. Um, like what was it last year? It was Jimbo and Saban, right? That, that was a whole to-do. So, yeah, there will be plenty of that kind of stuff coming down the pipeline and, you know, there'll be realignment too because of the simple fact that, you know, I'm sure it'll get brought up at ACC media days at some point or another, at least in these various coaching interviews. Even if that has settled down, you know, it'll be a topic of conversation for the pack. And I'm sure it'll be brought up next week for the big 12. If I was the pac 12, I was thinking about this the other night. If you could announce the media deal on day one of big 12 media days, how much of a little <clears throat> would that be after the way the last year has gone yeah. now? I don't, Think it appears they'll have one ready by next Wednesday, but if you really wanted to, just kind of, oh, Brett, you like playing the game? Well, here's one right back at you. Drop that bad boy on day one of media days for the Big Twelve, and you know that be- would
6: that would take up a lot of the conversation. Yeah, There's
7: no question about it.
6: Yeah, yeah. You're, you're maybe not-
3: I'm evil, but that's just you're, you know. Yeah, you're not expanding.
7: Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: But you know that, like, my point really being is that that will you know certainly be a conversation at, at some of these media days as well. Um, you know,
7: let right,
6: I, I me ask you this. At the Big 12 Media Days, will there be anybody that covers the SEC at the Media Days in Arlington? Because you know the Texas and Oklahoma oh, media yeah, will yeah. be, if it's where Nashville, at the SEC Media Days.
3: Well, there was already some of the OU and Texas people covering SEC spring the meetings. The uh, and spring meetings, yeah. So, yeah, that, that will be a certainty. I think, actually, I've seen some Oklahoma guys who have already – Maybe yeah, maybe some Texas too. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that we're going to go still the media days for the SEC too. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to go back to back. So and that makes sense. I mean that's there's going to be talk about them at SEC media mm-hmm. days and just the onboarding and all of that. So yeah, there there will definitely be some crossover. I, you know, beyond them, there won't be talk about any of that. I, I would think that the talk's going to be mostly for the Big Twelve about the league. Uh, you know, of course, one of those storylines will be the last go around for OU in Texas. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think they'll they'll be mentioned much. And, yeah, there will be a sprinkling of realignment, I'm sure.
7: Okay, I've got a question that just popped into my head randomly uh, because you mentioned Jimbo and Saban and their fight last year about – it was – you know, Jimbo got mad because Saban said, you know, the whole class was NIL money. And Jimbo, you know, wanted to, like, rest on his – you know, like, I'm a really good recruiter – what if he would have been like, you know what? I'm a damn good recruiter, and hell yeah, I'm using IL money. It's legal,
3: man. I don't know why everybody still acts like, like it's not. I like, don't understand it. I really don't.
7: Yeah. It would, honestly, to me, it would be like after they invented, like, toilet paper that didn't hurt you, that wasn't, like, didn't have wood chips in it, if somebody walked out of the bathroom like oh he uses real toilet like regular soft toilet paper like yeah man i don't have a pine cone in my butt right, all right yeah. it's better yeah. like right. this is working we don't have like we can take the veil down if he had just reacted of like yeah you know it's unfortunate that nick has to pretend like it's not happening at his school or that it's worse that it's happening here but yeah we're certainly doing it we have alumni that are enthusiastically give them giving we encourage them to continue doing that and yes it's working for us so i'm going to keep doing Doing it, but yeah. it doesn't hurt to
6: get a few more million.
3: I don't recall what his exact, you know, responses were. But, yeah, that was a prime opportunity, if anything, to rally the troops even further and say, like, yeah, we got a damn good collective and we're going to be one of the best in the country and our terrific fans are going to ensure that. And, yeah, you better get ready because, you know, like he could have said any number of things and shot back and been right because, yeah, what are we, what are we pretending? Like that this isn't really going on? I mean – we ripped the veil down. Why are we pretending that the Wizard's still back there and we don't really see what we're seeing? I mean, it's just come out with it. You, Everybody's got NIL. and got collectives, some to a greater extent than others. And you're damn right, A&M and Alabama and name a school, all of them are doing what they can. If Baylor or TCU or West Virginia had somebody pony up $10 million, they're not going to – let's not talk – Talk about, like, yeah, and they're going to go use it and they're going to get the best players available just like everybody else does with their donations. And yeah, yeah. That, I thought we all kind of understood that's the way it is now. And yeah, so it, it's weird. I agree with you that who, we yeah. they still act like it's the old days. Who
6: among those who are not what you consider, and I hate, I get kind of tired of the term blue blood, but it, it fits. Who among those who are not a part of the royalty of college football, um, have done the best job of embracing NIL.
7: Well, Texas A&M is not royalty in college football. I mean, they're they've not won a national title since 1939. They don't regularly contend for the conference title. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not royalty on the same level that other people are. Now, look, they are certain. They certainly have money, um, but that doesn't make them right. a blue blood. Let's take okay. So, yeah, I get I think that. They would they're
6: not be. a blue blood. Who are blue blood with
3: money, like when it comes to the money the blue facilities bloods, yeah, money That's yeah. a story
6: that was written last week about, okay, why the hell in fact has it not translated into more because it's always been less. Yes. Who would be that's not USC, Ohio State, Michigan, part, most of the SEC? Te- Texas Tech.
5: I was just right. going to say Texas that. Tech, I would say yeah. so.
6: I think that they've embraced it, and they've also said, not only have they embraced it, but they've also said, look what we're doing, and they will let you know about it.
3: And well, why? Because they use it to rally the troops just absolutely. like Jimbo could have done with the Saban comments and been like, Yeah, we have a collective and yeah, we're using it to pay young men and you know, help their family. Like he could have really done a number on Saban if you think about it yeah. in hindsight. But yeah, I mean Texas Tech, every player plus walk ons getting, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and, you know, that walk-on isn't just, I mean, I'm sorry, and I don't mean this as a negative in any way, shape, or form, uh, but we know what the intent is there. It's not to reward the walk-ons and, you know, make their lives better. Like, there's some element of that but let's just we're all adults that's to have as big of a roster as you possibly can yeah. if and you try have 20 have, scholarships left exactly, you can have 35 exactly yeah. so it's smart it's strategic and maybe it's what puts them over the top of other big 12 schools we'll have to see on that but yeah because of that reason i would say texas tech now it's not something that i follow super closely where i'm like this team's nil is awesome and versus you know but they're they're ones that immediately jump to mind as far as a non-blue blood and i really i'm like kicking around while i'm talking here i I just maybe don't know enough about like what the ACC collectives are like to Miss, know how well I don't see, know what I, Ole don't, Ole Miss I don't know is doing, yeah
7: I uh, mean the, the way that Lane Kiffin talks about it it feels to me like they're not where they want he wants them to be because he does kind of he He'll
6: he'll fire up the troops a but, little bit yeah, yeah but
7: I think that's what he's trying to do because he'll compare what A&M is doing to what they're doing and he'll say well we can't spend with them so I I wouldn't say they're there yet I do think that they I think he knows that they could if they wanted to, and that's what he's trying to say. And I All think right? he
3: also knows that there's two more about to join who are going to jump right ahead of him in yeah, line. Yeah, of line. And so if you start yeah. to look around, like, yeah, there's probably a need for more collective support in general, and everybody would want more, especially swimming in that pool. But now you add two big old sharks that are about to join, yeah, and you if got you're like Kiffin, orcas. you got to go like, huh, well, mm. um, something's got to give here, so yeah.
6: Chris Super Chat. Guys, I know it sounds, and Chris, we appreciate it. Guys, I know it sounds absurd. But I have heard, now I don't know if there's any kind of whatever out there, the Saudis were interested in college football. What are they not interested in? Uh, How concerned should people be that they reach a deal with the Pac-12 for exclusive broadcast rights? One, I think the Saudis are interested in everything. And if that happens and you're the Pac-12 and you could feel pretty good about it, I mean, if that can help you get what you want even more. All
7: right. But I'll say this
6: now this is just hypothetical right. I, and we're, I've seen a couple I, I even googled it Chris when I saw your super David, chat. And David I wrote a all, column
7: about it uh, on the athletic about what if they you know they did I don't know if that like that's probably way far down on their list they want to get into professional sports first that's where they they want to get into I wouldn't be surprised to see them I mean look they're trying to get into the I
6: don't think they want a conference I think they want a they want all of it.
7: Yeah. Um, war, I mean, they bought, they, they bought their way into a couple of teams here and there and some other professional sports, but, um, okay, Stanford and Cal did not want Baylor to come to the Pac-12 because they were a religious school. Are they going to stand, I mean, now granted, Baylor's not bringing as much money as the PIF will, but... Are they going to really stand idly by and have people go, like, you didn't want Baptist in the league, but nine you're good with? Like, okay. Uh, how much are you worth – how much can you
6: swallow and or turn your head and cough?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably low on their priority list in theory. I mean, it could certainly happen. I think, you know, the pack would probably be the most receptive, receptive to it, actually. Um, you know, just seem like uh, – I don't know. Like, they, they would just be probably a good candidate to need a, a big dose of money like that that would be, like, all over that part of it. Um, I also think politically, like, the Baylor thing, I don't think that's just a religious thing. I think that's a yeah. Southern Baptist thing yeah. in particular. Um, so I don't know that that really, like hinders them like the whole uh religious side of that compared to the southern baptist part of of baylor for Mm -hmm. example so yeah i don't know how much of a hindrance that would be but yeah i i think though like here's here's where i kind of stop with it is if you're going to take the big swing of you know entering the college football game which i would hate to see that like let's let's I know you probably look far enough, everything's owned by somebody who's not American mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I, I get the world that we're living in, but can we just even pretend for a little while or have it be as close to possible as we can that it's still an American sport run by yeah. American people and all that? Um, I, I feel like that would be kind of, that would be like the the straw that broke the camel's back would be college football getting infiltrated with with that money and and all that sports washing or whatever you want to call it. But I would think if they were going to do it and make that investment, it wouldn't be for the Pac-12 necessarily. I feel like wouldn't you take the biggest swing possible? If you're going to go get the PGA Mm -hmm. and you're buying, you know, pro sports franchises, would you not go for the luxury line? Mm -hmm. And all due respect, I wouldn't expect them to buy the Big 12 either. Uh, so that's that's actually the part that makes me go, No, I don't think it'd be the pack. But all the rest of it, yeah, sure. It could it yeah, could happen, I if guess. If they
7: have a list of every sports thing that they could buy, yeah. I would think that college sports are down the list. I would think because, so, yeah. again, pro sports are look, they're they're trying to give Tiger Woods and Messi, like those are what they're trying to buy. Like they tried to buy Tiger Woods and Messi and they told them no. Um that that's that that's how it is. They they bought the PGA essentially. They're you know, trying to get players to come and play in Saudi Arabia and the soccer league. There are you know, they're trying to get in the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NHL. Um, the NFL will be an interesting thing because they the NFL's been very serious for a long time about every owner being an American owner, but also Billionaires like more money, so right. yep. you know, that that can be one of those things where like, well, I, this is different.
6: I will be a uh, Stanford Cal and the PIF and whatever that, that even Kim Coulter, I can't even imagine. I just that, can't, that that, I can't because, and we're not saying it, we're not reporting it as a question that was asked. No, I just
7: us. don't I don't see it as one the highest priority on their list. I don't put anything at all past them uh, because of what they're trying to do with all this unlimited money that they have. Uh, but Uh, I don't think there would be a high priority. And then I do think that you would have to – if you look at how badly it's gone for Jay Monaghan's, the PGA Tour, uh, we've heard a lot more from a lot of colleges about how they feel about how things go in other parts of the world than we have from the PGA Tour. And the fact the PGA Tour didn't have to say anything about that ever, in fact, playing events over there, until it became a fact that the players were going to take money and leave. So – yeah, Jay Monahan's never had to talk on world issues until a year ago. But how that places, work out? Yeah, but places like Stanford and Cal and you name a university, they're always doing it. Uh, Duh, so
6: one question from Dundee's. Uh Wouldn't it be against the law for them to have anything to do with state schools? Now, I guess you're talking about the PIF I, I, or Saudis. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to act like I know. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the the rules, the laws, whatever. that uh, that that might be
7: well i mean look if they bought a me if they had a media platform that they had and bought the media rights then i think you're already probably funneling it through what would be an american shell company anyway
6: control of schools is impossible control of media deals is not that was from sir blah 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 yeah uh, Chris, thank you very much for the super yeah, chat. Yeah, they're not going to run Stanford
3: or Cal no, or none no. of, like nothing like. But like as far as controlling a league and TV deals and all that, I mean, I wouldn't put it past anybody. There's a lot of money flowing through that, but yeah, it's it's a fun. It's an interesting. I, I don't know about fun to think about them running like a college football league, but it's it's an interesting hypothetical and and worth worth asking a, yeah, because uh, who the heck knows what kind of road we're going down right now with okay. all that uh, ownership and uh, changes galore in terms of how sports are operating. Yeah, could Roger, they buy
6: ESPN? Yeah, absolutely they could. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. In you a know, it's, honestly it's about I have seen this brought up and I, I you know I don't know that everybody will love hearing this, but you know, I, I've seen this from the Pac twelve side from time to time on you know the the braggadocious nature of hey, the Big Twelves on ESPN and the Big Twelves on Fox, and meanwhile ESPN's laying off you know thousands of people throughout the year And it's like, how much of a gem is that going to still be? Like, is that still ESPN, the great ESPN? You know, but I still feel like when you're talking cable still matters. I don't care what anybody says. You can tell me about 10, 15 years down the road, but as far as right now and for the foreseeable future, it still matters until it doesn't. And so I, I do believe there's still that security there. But I see where the argument comes from. And I know why the argument's being made, because you're trying to make them look lesser. Um, but there is something to, to be said for the future and streaming and how profitable an ESPN is right now in terms of their, their uh, cost-cutting measures and all of that. Uh, but the Big 12 locked in their deal. The SEC locked in their deal. Most other conferences have some sort of a deal with them. So from that standpoint... I think uh, it's it's a question that's it's interesting to look at, but it's not that far down the road yet to think that you know ESPN's jumping the shark when it comes to college football broadcast and things like that. No, All I right. think
7: I think ESPN's problems are not just the. I mean, it's Disney as a corporation
3: spent a decade buying a lot of stuff, and dude, that, a few years ago they were buying everything for like five times the price tag. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and so they've,
6: they've lost millions of subscribers. They're trying to do the straight-to-consumer thing, right, direct-to-consumer yes. thing now. But they have, compared to when they were the baby in the late 70s when they first came on the air, and I would sit yeah, there no. and like, wow.
3: They're not doing direct-to-consumer yet. That's the big that's, theory from Marshan that they will – or our end, one of those two, that that was what eventually will happen is they will launch direct-to-consumer, but that's still a work in progress. But there is the belief that that will be inevitable here in the next, you know, less than handful of years. I
6: always thought, and I could be – behind the curve on this, but I always thought what ESPN was when it first came out was really, it was for someone like me, all of us, it was the go-to. I'd watch the Sports center or whatever, but it almost as if they got too big. They had too many wings, I shouldn't say in the White House, because that's a common thing going on this week, but they had, they had too much. <laughs> it's like, they got to be too large, and you wonder sometimes where could you find this or this and this, and sometimes we battle that with well, who we are. Is it how much can you branch out without losing who you are and the core of what you do? Yeah, I, I think and that, the politics and the fact that the, the things have changed when you had them on channel twenty seven.
7: Yeah, I th- I think there's that, a lot of reasons. But. Yeah, but I mean they they bought like a ton, a ton of stuff, and a lot like, of that like
6: contracts, right? The, yeah, the
7: contracts. Like you're talking about ESPN with you know contracts with media rights. The Disney bought. I mean, when you talk about buying Star Wars, Marvel, Indiana Jones, like all these things that they own now, free and clear, that they have they bought straight outright, that now have to turn a profit for them every time they do something with it. So, every time they make a comic book movie, every time that, you know, you put a league on television, it has to turn a profit for you. So, yeah, the NBA is probably going to do that for you, but... I don't know about anything else, you know, how it how it's going to spin uh other ways around. So, yeah, they've got they've got a lot uh, that they've got to cover up for and they'll probably figure out a new way to do it, but yeah.
6: All right, uh, it's 4:38. Go ahead. Oh, I I I'm oh, technical. Ooh, we're off. Is that it? Let's take a break. This is 365 Sports takes time to reach goals it's a truth that applies to more than sports
11: it goes for your financial goals as well you work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan and chuck verno your edward jones financial advisor can help if financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire stop by today for a financial review chuck verno 720 north 64th street in waco 254-732-1161 edward jones member sipc I'm not afraid to
0: Two.
8: Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, $6,900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com
6: Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Boozer's is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozer's is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie K. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring they can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new at boozers you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces and boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs too they specialize in expert rolex watch repair for fine jewelry watches custom work and more go to boozers on valley mills and lake air drive in waco
1: This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com.
3: All right, welcome into 365 Sports. Welcome back, welcome in, what have you. Time for Off the Radar, Tuesdays and Thursdays around 445. And this isn't as fun of a segment during the summer, I have to tell you. There are slim pickings when it comes to A lot of the stories because well it's it's sort of a like right now or what I should say here in about uh, a week with the all-star game that is the deadest time in sports no major league baseball games colleges are over all the other pro sports are done so we're right on the the verge of that right here at the moment but there's a a few things still ongoing for example yesterday the Mavs uh, finalized their trade for Grant Williams from the Boston Celtics, a deal that also included the the Spurs and uh, Boston, obviously. But a uh, three-team trade. Celtics got multiple second-rounders. Spurs got Reggie Bullock in an unprotected Dallas uh, pick swap. But Grant Williams, that was a, a note from the NBA. Uh, excited to see what... Um, what the Mavs can do, because, man, there's a lot of pressure on the shoulders of Mark Cuban and company right now with Kyrie and bringing him back. Uh, but that was that was a note, to, I guess, somewhat locally. Spurs, uh, Rockets doing their thing, respectively, as well. Uh, but as far as, like, some... Go ahead.
6: I cannot keep up with the NBA. Oh, it's movement.
3: impossible. That's why I'm not going to dwell on Not it, only yeah. on
6: draft night, when you're interviewing a kid because he got picked by it's the crazy. Timberwolves, it's already been traded to Orlando. But it is... And there's only, what, 13 or so guys on each team. Uh, maybe the, the transactions aren't as many as I think, but the signing trades and all that there's really a, make it complicated. There's
7: a big flurry. I, I really wish I could have seen what would have happened. We could have seen what would have happened if they'd pulled off the draft night trade and gotten DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. uh, there in Dallas. And maybe that's not completely off the table, but um, you know, I don't know how the Suns are going to pay all those guys. Um, but maybe it's just a one-year they go with that. That lineup that they have, but yeah I, I, yeah it, I, the NBL season is really intriguing and interesting this year there's not like huge free agents on the market, like nope. sometimes there are there's not but th- there no. are some big trades going on, but yeah it's hard to follow, excuse me,
3: so like I was saying there's you know some little notes and things like that that are coming out, but I still was able to scrap enough enough together for uh an off the radar segment here, and so let 's start off with. Uh, A college football note, Uh, how about former Florida quarterback Jalen Kitna? Mm -hmm. Remember that name? Mm -hmm. Uh, The son of John Kitna, who was a longtime NFL guy, uh, quarterback uh, coach, uh, has gone on to coach in the high school ranks and, um, you know, seemed to be doing pretty well for himself and obviously has a son that's a big-time recruit, ends up signing with the Gators, and you think that life would be going pretty well, and then all of a sudden just – I don't know if you guys – recall kind of what y'all's initial reactions was but you see like a headline about a player getting kicked off a team that doesn't necessarily raise major eyebrows When you see it was due to child porn charges you're like what in the heck is going on here and that's exactly what happened last year now uh, jalen kitna got <clears throat> served with five felony child pornography charges Um, And as part of a plea deal, those got dropped on Wednesday. According to the Orlando Sentinel newspaper, he pleaded no contest to two misdemeanor counts of disorderly conduct, was sentenced to one-year probation, although that could be reduced to six months. And as a result of said plea deal, he will not have to register as a sex offender, will not have to serve any jail time. So you talk about... um, i don 't know what you chalk that up to i don 't know if the, the grace of god doesn 't seem to fit when you 're talking about these kinds of things, but uh, somehow or another, uh, he is you know outside of the probation and outside of the public embarrassment, and obviously his college football career you think is dead and over with, but uh, most of those charges dropped. He did release a statement saying that he wanted to apologize to his family, his friends, those that care about him. Uh, he talked about the support throughout the entire ordeal. Um, and said the hardest thing is seeing how it's affected them. He said he's learned valuable lessons that have been very helpful, and he's looking forward to applying those things and moving forward. Now, he had been arrested uh, last November, late November. He had apparently shared some uh, images of sexual abuse on Discord and told police that he remembered uh, having shared a couple of pictures, but he thought that they were legal because they were online, which... I don't really buy that, but you can kind of like, okay, but does anybody really buy that? No, no, Based I don't think so. Based on the legal
6: system and the loopholes, you, you know. So, what, I asked you a question Is is he a
7: registered?
3: No, no, I just said he's uh, not going sure to be registered. Well, yeah. no, mm.
7: So, I, I I read Edgar Thompson, who we have in the show all the time, that covers the Gators very, very, very well. Um, he uh, I read and he said, and he, you know, put up for what it's worth, you know, the the digital forensics they did on his computer and his phone and all these different things. That was the only time he had ever sent anything or posted anything or done anything. So to me, it appears that the first time he did, uh, hopefully the first time he did it, he got caught. And then that, they headed something off of the pass here but that's the
3: rosiest way to describe it. Yeah, that's this. really putting a positive spin on it. Yeah. Putting a but I, I mean, don't
6: want I don't think you want to put a no, positive no, like, spin on it. I know he, what you're saying. Yeah, so that's, like,
3: actually that's possible but like we all don't really believe that. No, I understand, but, but yeah, that's that's possible. There is a it's not 0% chance that that's what happened. And you know, you got to let the court system do what it does, but he was orig- originally charged with 5 counts felony Child pornography, two counts distribution of child exploitation, three counts of possession of pornography, or child pornography. It just feels icky to even say these things. Um, and, of course, he was suspended and dismissed very quickly by Florida. So uh, charges dropped and won't have to register as a sex offender and gets a little bit of probation. And I don't know if there will be, like, counseling or, or what have you involved beyond that, but uh, that is the latest on what was a very surprising and just, Ugly uh, story uh, from last fall. So Jalen Kitna uh, has charges dropped uh, thanks to a plea deal. Uh, Meanwhile, coming up this weekend, normally in these segments, I would like to be able to talk about, you know, hey, we got uh, what the the NFL game tonight or the, uh, you know, all-star games. And like I said, we're kind of at a dead period right now. But one sport outside of Major League Baseball that doesn't ever stop year-round is uh, the UFC. And uh, should be a good little card coming up this weekend, T-Mobile Arena, UFC 290, Alexander Volkanovsky defending his championship against Yair Rodriguez, featherweight title on the line. Volkanovsky, have you all watched him? I know that we don't talk nearly as much UFC as we used to, like Conor Mania, Rousey, that was years and years and years ago. And there were some remnants of other fighters, Uh, Along the way that that kept it interesting, but I do feel like there's sort of this, there was kind of a drop off, right? Like I think as far as just mainstream interest, I don't feel like it's there nearly as much. John Jones being in and out with suspensions affected that because he was certainly a big draw um but Volkanovski if you haven't watched him is an absolute machine um in in every way shape and form a pretty fun guy to to watch fight and uh just interesting guy to listen to and uh he's he's a badass but uh, he will be defending his featherweight championship he's 25 and 2 uh in the headline main event against Yair, Yair Rodriguez 15 and 3 Brandon Moreno Alexandre uh, Pente- uh Ponte Toha uh will be the uh, semi main event there, but a full card coming up this weekend from T-Mobile in Las Vegas. Volkanovski Rodriguez, uh, if you want some sports to check out this Saturday night.
7: Yeah, that sport just needs. It's, it's going to go through. I mean, much like boxing did, and boxing, of course, then ate itself. Um, but you know, I'm sure there were boxing had a nice run for a while with the heavyweight championship. Boxing were had good. a nice
6: run because they had unbelievable champions, yes. and then there were too many championship but, belts,
7: but the ufc needs to have like to repeat that you got to have stars that people are going to remember over and over and over again for a, a one of those guys and then when you when when what yeah so when one leaves so but there when, aren't
6: five there aren't like there's a ufc right yeah and then what but else got
7: some smaller ones but yeah, yeah the they UFC are, the, is the, are Craig, the are they
6: the elite dominant no doubt about it highest league of what that is it's
3: not even a it's it's the nfl oh, well, no, yeah. it's, I, i'm
6: making my point in boxing, you started having the WBC, the WBA, the IBF, and then my God, there were three or four other. We called them alphabet title belts. That's what killed boxing.
7: Yeah, but the, and the, the the reason that boxing was had it going so well was you know if. The heavyweight title, the heavyweight guy lost, and the next guy, for the most part, had a nice little run, or they went back and forth against each other for a while. There are people can use. So a decade ends, guys retire. There's a new decade, new blood rolls along. So boxing
6: also has guys who won 20 years ago who are fighting every once in a while now. You know, yeah. <laughs> it got but, to that point because because the the highest level boxers were just not very good. But, that they weren't like I, I'm not going to use the word they weren't that good, and so others just anyone can win is a title. A,
7: there's a kind of a through line in boxing that starts with, like, even before Rocky Marciano, but, like, from the 20s, straight through to, like, 1994, they had a run, and then it just got too much.
6: Yeah, I can't even name, unfortunately. The Clis was it the Clis Kliskos. Cl- Clisco- yeah, who had a... A little bit of a run there, for and but I can't even name that now. Yeah, I mean, that,
3: that was well over fault. a decade ago. I mean, it's more Tyson yeah. Fury and Anthony Joshua and, and guys like that, and that's just uh, the heavyweights that, that come to mind in somewhat recent years. But, um, yeah, I mean, boxing died, and yet it's still around, and it's fought every single weekend. It's, but it's not at the tip-top of uh, what it could be, sport of kings, because, yeah, there's not – a Tyson, a Foreman, an Ali, a whoever you want to name. And, yeah, Tyson Fury's picked up some of that slack. Uh, the Klitschkos years and years and years ago. I mean, one of the Klitschkos has been a mayor in Ukraine throughout this entire war. Um, So they've, they've been, you know, gone for a while. But uh, I do think that the UFC is as healthy as it's ever been. Like, I mean, everything you guys said is right, but they are the healthiest they've ever been financially. They're owned by Endeavor. They're now partnered up with the WWE in an offshoot of Endeavor. Like, they are as successful as possible uh, as a fighting organization, I just think, going back to my original point, that there's just a lack of crossover stars like a Ronda Rousey, a Conor Mm -hmm. McGregor, where they had a handful of those people years ago, and now they've got really great fighters like Volkanovsky and plenty of others, Uh, but it's just... It, it's not. Uh, it doesn't resonate. I think as frequently as it seemed to a few years ago, but still, it's is as wildly successful as it's ever been.
6: Do they need bad boys too? Like Connor became that. There's the one that was that had the Mohawk that was dominant. Eventually, got beat. Do they need a little bit more of that, or is is does it matter?
3: I mean, that was. Yeah, you're talking about Chuck Liddell. That was a really long time ago. That was when they really were launching into a different kind of stratosphere. He was one of the guys that helped them do that like 20 years ago. Um, But, no, I I don't – I just think that they they hit magic. They hit magic at a time when it was just popular and hit the right audience. And you had, again, a bevy of stars who people were interested by. They were interested by Ronda Rousey and who's this chick who's who's badass. And then they were more interested in Amanda Nunez who – was really a, a badass. And, you know, Connor had his moment, and then that was followed up by Khabib. And Khabib Nurmagomedov is a fantastic all-time great fighter. But you had some of the guys like him or GSP that retired and, and cut their range short. You had John Jones, who was getting in trouble constantly and cutting his range short. And I just think mm-hmm. it was a combination of things. But they're as healthy as ever. That'll be a great fight. Volkanovski's incredible. And so enjoy that, like I said, on Saturday, uh, if you so choose. And the final thing here... Uh, Home Run Derby participants have been announced. Eight players taking part at uh, the All-Star Game uh, annual festivity, uh, the Home Run Derby uh, at T-Mobile Park in Seattle coming up on Monday night. They've released, as they do, the Home Run Derby bracket, uh, the matchups for the first round of this. And uh, you'll have Luis Robert Jr. versus Adley Rutschman. And it should probably uh, break more of a little bit of a capsule for you here as far as each guy goes. But uh, with Robert, you got uh, him from the White Sox. You've got Rushman from the Orioles. Um, now it's also got a little note here of, of when they, the number of home runs they had, but Robert, 25 home runs when he was announced as a participant to Rushman, who had 11. So that's one matchup. You've also got Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez, Alonso of the Mets. He had 25 when picked. Rodriguez, of course, sensational young player for the Mariners. He had 13 home runs. So that'll be a matchup. You also got Mookie Betts versus Vladimir Guerrero Betts Jr. Betts representing
6: the Red Sox, right?
3: Betts uh, representing the Dodgers. He had 23 homers when the field was set. And Guerrero Jr. Uh, had 13 when the field was set. He, of course, of the Blue Jays. And then in the final matchup, Adelis Garcia of the Texas Rangers. Adoles, yeah, he had yeah. Adelis Garcia. Yeah. Um, 21 home runs when it was set and he will be taking on Randy Rosarina of the Tampa Bay Rays, who had 16. So there you go. There is your first-round matchups for the MLB Home Run Derby that will be coming your way next week. Dois is a... I just like to say Adelise. I like that better in my head. That's why I say that. uh,
6: Good good for all of them who are part of that. You just hope that none of them that get into it end up, like, not being able to get back to who they were because it's a wear-and-tear deal, that home run derby.
7: Yeah. By the way, Mookie Betts this year has played in right field at second base and shortstop. Enough games that in fantasy baseball, he's eligible at all those positions. And the Red Sox right now don't have a second baseman or a shortstop. And their right fielder is fine. It's Alex Verdugo. This well, the why do you bring from Red Sox,
6: Paul? He's not but, there anymore.
7: Uh, it's just like this is the <laughs> most salt in the wound You have year. to let it go. It's the most – it's it's like the Dodgers are picking on me specifically. It's more of a salt in the wound this year than it was originally. Because they don't have all those things, and now he's doing them all. He did and, it all before if he would have let him. But they, they didn't let him, let him and yeah. it's just – I'm just so mad about it, but no, so I think it's going to be good. Yeah. He's a
6: great player. Yes. Can't believe anybody who had Mookie Betts would let him go.
7: I can't either. For nothing. Uh, Paul, For uh, literally
6: nothing. Craig, thank you. Odolis Garcia has been a phenomenal story along with uh, a lot of the players of the Rangers, but their lead after losing three out of four to Houston is down to two after losing to Boston, in fact, last night. Thank you, Craig. Elijah Rushing, that five-star edge rusher, committed to Arizona just now. Over Oregon, Notre Dame, and Tennessee, he becomes the University of Arizona's highest-ranked football commit ever. This is 365 Sports. Texas Beef House. They have now had a chance uh, for everyone to enjoy incredible food, Wagyu beef, for Memorial Day. For Father's Day and even 4th of July. And now, whether it's a family reunion or you just want to buy great beef, as some of you have who watch this show, uh, TexasBeefHouse.com gives you that opportunity. Let's just say, let's talk burgers. The Wagyu beef, the burgers, they have burgers, regular Wagyu beef. They have ground beef, too, if you want it. They also have the burgers with cheese and jalapeno. And even garlic, if that's what you want. And we usually discuss when we discuss the the Wagyu. You think about the steaks, the fillets, the ribeyes, the New York strip. I had a New York strip the other day, and I cooked it as a steak, but it was so delicious. I had two of them. I cut the other one up and made some stir fry, fajita meat with it. It was fantastic. Uh, Aaron Duval, Samantha Duval, she handles the marketing. It's a company just outside of Tyler, in White House, Texas. Yes, the home of Patrick Mahomes, and they raise the Wagyu beef, the cattle from the start to finish to the point where they get it to you, so you can enjoy what they have. Uh, It is fantastic. There are some I've mentioned, Kim, I've mentioned others, I think uh, a couple of other, Barry, I think, that have bought from them. You can do that. It's worth it. It's TexasBeefHouse.com.
1: Looking for power, performance, adventure, or luxury? We've got it all at Allen Samuels in Waco. Shop the greatest selection of brand new inventory and find a vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals during the Make This the Summer sales event on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler sedans, minivans, or a sporty Dodge. At Allen Samuels, we're committed to taking care of our customers, and that means having as much new inventory on hand for you to choose from. Shop allensamuelsdcj.com
8: or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Go Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry, and custom-cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Or WacoCustomMarketplace.com.
0: When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected
7: stop by and see our agents at one of our three mcclennan county locations coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation
3: how did edward jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world By not acting that way, financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference, and that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
4: The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor, Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
1: Now here's David Smoke, Paul
6: Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. This 5 o'clock hour take you up until 6. We have Ari Tempton coming up at 5.30. Paul's top five in about 45 to 50 minutes. Joined by Andy Staples of On3.com and Andy Uh, I thought your announcement of where you're going are now at with On3.com, just like an athlete with the commitment picture, committed, tearing open your jacket, and there's a T-shirt or a shirt with On3. Who came up with that idea? Was that you? That was me. Because
11: when you, in real life, were a zero-star (laughs) walk-on, you always wanted to get the five-star treatment. So that's one thing I told him. I was like, listen, if we're going to announce this, let me announce it like everybody else because we've got a guy who does a lot of the recruiting edits, the, the commitment edits for the, for the recruits. And so uh, we took some goofy pictures and sent them to him and said, you know, do, do your worst. And it, it, was, uh, it was tremendous. It was more than I could ever have hoped and dreamed for.
7: So, when is your show going to be on? And the, I, I'm, I'm sure you're still going to write, uh, which would be a, a tragedy if you just went all video. We'd, we'd lose that. But how is the? New, what's the new show going to kind of circle around? Uh, how's it all going to play out?
11: It'll be very similar to the podcast I did when I was at The Athletic, where we do five new shows a week. The, the difference is now it'll be a more fixed schedule, whereas before we kind of recorded when we recorded, and sometimes we went live and sometimes we didn't. We're going to try to go live as often as possible. So if, if people like doing that, like interacting with the show and want to be with us on YouTube, they can. Or if they want to get it in, in, in podcast form the next morning, then it'll be there for them. So we're going to record in primetime, uh, 7 p.m. Central uh, most nights. And then we'll be live a lot of nights. And then the next morning, if, if you want to listen on your commute, it'll be on all the podcast platforms. So it'll all be there for you. Same concepts hitting all the biggest stories in college football, and just trying to have as much fun as we can because it is the uh, it is the most fun sport in the world.
3: It is the most fun sport in the world, Andy. You are absolutely right about that. It's about to get you know even more intriguing in some ways with just all the stuff that's on the horizon from uh, you know realignment to expanded playoff and all of that. You know, it's a very interesting time in the the media industry. Um, but how do you feel about the way college football and, and the media and the support and the fandom has kind of adapted and is also I don't know it feels like there's a little bit of growth ongoing as the sport starts to you know blossom a bit.
11: Well, I mean, it's the second most popular sport in America right now, behind the NFL. So it's doing all right. And it's funny because all the, the muckety mucks in charge said if NIL ever came to be or this ever came to be that it would be the death knell of the sport. No, it's it's actually growing and people seem to like it and if you look at the what they're paying to televise it now it's the, the numbers are, are monstrous so uh it is it's just getting bigger and i think people yeah it's interesting that the nil stuff I, I don't think anybody cares unless there's a big story about it where you know i did a story on this this guy that florida had signed and there was a contract for 13.8 million dollars where there wasn't actually any financial back design it like that was a that was a big deal. Or if somebody has a really funny commercial, like when the dude named the coldest Crawford who was playing for Nebraska did an HVAC commercial. So that's all that people care about with that more than anything else. They just want their games. And I, I kind of think the pandemic made us not take it for granted anymore. Like, Oh, this could be taken away from us. There could be times when this doesn't exist. So let's enjoy this. Let's, Let's watch it. Let's go to games. Let's have fun with it. And I, I really think people have embraced it. I think people are excited about the 12-team playoffs. You get your your usual stick in the muds who don't want anything to change. Uh, they want it to be like it was when they were in eighth grade. But I think everybody else is looking at it like, hey, my team might actually have a chance. My team might actually be able to compete for the national title instead of just these same three, four teams.
6: In fact, with that being said, with the 12 teams, there will be more of the higher... Um, the hierarchy of college football, but what does the playoff do? Does it help the Blue Bloods more, or does it help the ones who perhaps otherwise would be left at home?
11: I think the way they structured it helps everybody a little more. And, and, you know, so you guys obviously follow Baylor very closely, and I'm I'm very interested to see what the Big 12 looks like in this new iteration because we start in 2024 with the 12-team playoff. Oklahoma and Texas are gone from the Big 12. The, the four schools that are coming in this year will be there, so you, they'll be at 12 unless, unless Brett Yormar gets two more, which I know that's always a possibility. But you think about it. Even without Texas or Oklahoma, if you look at the numbers since the playoffs started, the, the that version of the Big 12 should be able to get two teams in most years. And I don't know in, in a different format if, Baylor, K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, schools like that would feel like they had that decent a shot at it. Like, they're, you know, the 14 playoff, Baylor and TCU were, were close in, in 2014, but it hasn't felt that close for them. They'd be in a lot of those years. You know, when they won the, the Big 12 a couple of years ago, they'd be in the playoff. And I think that changes your view of the whole season. I did it, it changes your excitement level before the season, and it changes how engaged and interested you are during the season.
7: Yeah, Andy, I think it's it's probably the best idea they've ever had to, to not make college football the survivor pool where when you lose, unless you're a certain handful of teams, once you lose one game, you're out. And so – that, that was the other thing I never understood the argument against of like, well, if my team lost on October 10th, then I can forget about January 3rd altogether. It just didn't seem like it made sense.
11: Yeah, it didn't. It never made sense to me either. And the only argument people could give for why they wanted it to be that way was, well, I want to see the best team. Okay, well, you don't know if you got the best team. Because for the longest time, it was, is it the undefeated team? Like, everybody's 2012. Notre Dame gets destroyed by Alabama in the national title game. Georgia was way better than Notre Dame that year. Like Georgia barely lost Alabama in the SEC title game. They would have killed Notre Dame. Texas A&M actually beat that Alabama team. They would have killed Notre Dame. So did that game determine who the best team was? No. I think you're actually going to have more games between the best teams now that determine the best team at the end. Now. Is it still going to be one of that small group? Yeah, probably because that's the only team, the kind of team that can get through that meat grinder. But I do wonder with more teams kind of in the mix, do a few recruits who would have gone to Alabama Georgia, Ohio State, you know, that group, do they get sheared off? Is it, is it one or two, you know, decide to go, oh, you know what? Penn State makes the playoff a lot. So I'm going to go there. Wisconsin makes the playoff a lot. So maybe I'm going to go there because the more that happens, the, the closer everybody gets together. I, I, I think that's that's probably what needs to happen to get a larger pool of people who can actually win the national title.
3: Hey, Arizona just landed a five-star like the last half I know, hour. I
11: know, yeah. Hey, Jed, so Jed Fish and I were, were students at the University of Florida at the same time. He was not on the football team. Now, he volunteered uh, to work with the football team later and, and learned a lot from, from Coach Spurrier. But he has done a phenomenal job at Arizona. Like, I don't think people even understand. That roster was in bad, bad shape when they fired Kevin Sumlin. And Dead Fish has come in and really changed things. So this will be – if this guy sticks, he'll be the highest-rated recruit they ever had. And last year they they, they set the previous record with a wide receiver. So, I mean, it's it's rolling there. So it, it's one of those things that's funny because people – look at teams that, that have not played very well, and it feels like you'll never get back. But like Arizona's coming back, you look at what Lance
3: Leipold's done at Kansas. You can come back from yes. the abyss. This is a lot of work. I'm glad you brought up a perfect transition into the Big 12, Andy. I know that one of the videos you posted, uh, you know, after your announcement was was talking about the newcomers and BYU and how they'll fit in and all of that. Um, What are your thoughts on this crazy one-time-only 14-team, four teams in, two teams out Big 12 that's coming up this season? It seems like there's, you know, a lot of buzz for various reasons. But where is it on your interest scale in 2023?
11: Very interesting because (laughs) Portevo, nobody's going to feel sorry for Texas and Oklahoma. But everybody's gonna be taking their shots at them. <laughs> it's gonna be wild. And it's it's really, you know, they they're gonna be the the target on the back teams and they usually are, but you know, I, I think it's fun that everybody is gonna get a crack at one or all the newcomers will get a crack at, at one of them in their home stadium this year. Like Cincinnati gets Oklahoma for the big twelve Oaks, And then Texas has to go to Houston which I, I just love because I talked to some of the Houston people about it when after, after the schedule came out. And they're like, yeah, you know, before they would have made us move this game to NRG and it would have been 75% Texas fans. Now it's going <laughs> to yeah. be all Houston fans. <laughs>
7: Andy, uh, you mentioned Coach Spurrier a second ago, and and you were uh, very close to that program then when he was there. I did a a top five list last week about coaches who would kind of, the old school coaches who would kill it in this era. And I think Steve Spurrier, as maybe the original, one of the original CEO coaches, would do very well right now. A young Steve Spurrier. he, He wasn't a CEO. Steve Spurrier was the quarterback coach, the receiver's coach, the play
11: caller, you know. But he could only because he has this savant-level ability to see things from the sideline that most people can't see from the press box. And – but he would have – it would have been interesting to see him in this era of NIL because he's always been, well, let's pay the players. So he was always for that. And I think it would have helped him because he didn't like a lot of the recruiting stuff. He thought – some of the recruiting stuff was kind of icky. I think he wouldn't have to, you know, because he, he wouldn't do the car sales and thing. He wouldn't do the, you're the most important player I ever recruited, and I'm guaranteeing you a starting job. He would never do that. He'd be like, well, come play Florida. If you know, we'll find somebody who beat you. And, that, you know, that doesn't work on every five-star. So I think he would have liked this era better where the kid's like, okay, cool, you got a good offense. Can I get a good NIL deal? Okay,
6: I'm good. We mentioned, or Paul did, and it was no no clue, that, that there's no no-brainer, that Barry Switzer was already in his own NIL year, era, wasn't he?
11: Well, listen, I grew up in SEC country. <laughs> the, the, NIL, the NIL era has been going on yeah. by a different name for 100 years. So now, Barry, But the thing is, Barry Switzer also outsmarted mm-hmm. a lot of people. You know, the, the, the thing is, you know, take the Southwest Conference and, you know, pre-integration in the Southwest conference, Barry Switzer just killed it in the state of Texas and, for, you know, forced them to move a little faster than they would have. And, but it, it is, it's interesting. There are a lot of coaches that I can think of from the seventies and eighties who would have uh, probably enjoyed this era a little bit more.
6: Andy, the combination of what you do, if you need to report and or investigate and or give an opinion or have a sharp edge combined with your sense of humor. Has that who you've been all of your life?
11: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, this is what I like to do now. When I got into the business, I worked for newspapers. So it was a very you know, kind of set role. Like when I was the beat writer, you don't give your opinion. You, you just report the news and there are columnists who give their opinion but the Internet changed everything and made it where you've got to be able to report, find news. you got to be able to give opinions. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do because you've got to go back and talk to people after you've given them an mm-hmm. sometimes. And sometimes it's an opinion they don't like. But I feel like if you treat everyone fairly and, you know, if I give an opinion, it's not – I'm not doing it just to make you click on it. Now, I may have some strong opinions. Like I, I was on – one of our podcasts today, and uh, I was pushing back against uh, J.D. Piquel, who's, who's one of our other hosts, because he had said, you know, it's not a failure if Texas doesn't win the Big 12 this year. And I said, no, it absolutely is a failure if they don't win the Big 12. When are they going to come into a season from this point forward where they're going to be favored in 11 of the 12 regular season game? Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen again. So yes, they do need to do that. And it's a strong opinion, but it's a legitimate one. It's this, Texas is loaded this year. This is as talented a team as they've had probably since when Matt Brown really had it rolling, and they need to be able to win. So that means they, they need to be able to, to beat Kansas State. They need to be able to beat TCU. They need to be able to beat Baylor. And in the past years, those have
6: been games they've
11: struggled with.
6: Then I have, if you don't mind, one follow up, and uh, I know the dog wants to go out. I think here pretty soon. <laughs> Will schools like Texas or Oklahoma, and again, Texas has struggled really on and off. Not there have been some better years than others, but the last ten or twelve years, Oklahoma had their first in a long time. Are schools like that that are used, especially Oklahoma, used to running the table? Maybe not as recently. Are they ready to understand that eight and four, nine and three? Might be the norm rather than the eleven and one and twelve and zero.
11: I don't know if they're ready for that quite yet. I, I think they're 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 working their way there. Texas probably should understand that because they've had a lot. of mm-hmm. But Oklahoma is a little different story, and that's why when people say, "Well, Oklahoma is in for a rude awakening in the SEC," I'm not so sure they are, because other than Ohio State, Oklahoma has been the most consistent winner in the history of college football. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt to figure that out when they get to the SEC. When they say, okay, here's how the rosters are constructed, here's how everybody spends their resources, let's just do that. And I don't I, – I, I'm actually more confident in that, that. I don't know necessarily Brent Venables is the right guy. He's going to have to prove that with, with the way he coaches on the field. I actually trust Brent Venables more than I would trust Lincoln Riley to bring them the kind of roster they need to survive in the SEC but I trust Lincoln Riley coaching on the field more than I trust Red Venables right now. Mm-hmm. So he needs to prove that he can do that. But as far as the administration at Oklahoma, I think they're going to figure it out because historically they've always figured it out. Texas a little more of a, a question mark. Texas is a lot more like Florida, uh, like USC where they've had these, these big ups where they had, when they, when they hit the right coach, they really get going. But when they don't have the right coach, it, it's a struggle.
6: Thank you, Andy. Congratulations on your opportunity with On3.com. Good luck with the podcast and all the other things you do. We appreciate your time.
11: All right. Thank you, guys.
6: Thank you. Andy Staples, On3.com, was with TheAthletic.com when it first launched. Uh, and, and, of course, there's a lot of movement. We think about movement. Uh, when it comes to the transfer portal and, and whatever else, there's the same thing when it comes to media outlets. Some bad news because of the layoffs, not just ESPN, and also some good news because there's other places for you to land and start and continue what you do as a career.
3: Yeah, and I, I don't know that he that I phrased my original question the, the right way. Like, yeah, college football is the second most popular sport, but would you know that by the coverage up until recently? Would you even know that in some ways on the coverage still? No, if you just watch TV all day, how much college football do you see covered? Uh, no. Basically none. So that's that's where I was coming from. Is you have a brand like On Three, you know, before that it was Two Four Seven, before that it was Rivals. Scout was in there for a little while, and they got gobbled up. And you know, it'll be another thing I'm sure in like five to ten years. Uh, it'll be. HutHut.com or something, you know, but you know that's that's obviously grown into something. That, that going to you know, register
7: that domain name right now? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> oh. But that,
3: you know, now he's he's a part of it. Uh, I think the YouTube thing. I I don't brag on myself or really us at all. It's just not my personality, but I do think that we at least played a part in this growing ecosystem of college football, specifically on YouTube. Um, i don 't think there 's any doubt about that among others, and I just think with the playoff and the big realignment moves and the bigger games that you 're going to get as a result of that, and then just the need and desire to survive and thrive by others who aren 't dealing with the you know the biggest pots. Of, uh, of money all the time. You know, they've all adapted over the years. Like TCU is one of the most adaptable programs in the entire country for the journey that they've been on, right, to get mm-hmm. to where they were. I mean, that, you talk about a program who's been through it. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of programs like that that still have a, this hunger burning and want to go shake up the status quo. And I just think it's a really interesting time, NIL thrown in there. Um, so overall, it's, it's a great time to be a college football fan, even if there are a lot of question marks. And, and I feel like there is sort of a growing – at least coverage of it. Does that make sense? Um, And it hasn't switched over to, you know, anything outside of your usually scheduled block of college football TV show on ESPN or whatever. Uh, But hopefully we are getting to a point where it becomes a more regular topic of conversation.
6: Here's one of the things that uh, my brother called me. Here's one of the things that when you look at coverage nationally, you have the NFL, every show, every day, there's going to be some mention. And all they have to do is throw up a star. A Cowboys logo or something. Uh,
7: Joe Burrow. The
6: the NBA. Pat Mahomes. No matter where they rank among what's important, the NBA kind of has that. You know? You could always just bring up LeBron or Kyrie Irving or whatever. And college football is huge, but it is still kind of contained. Now, the realignment talk has allowed that to become, or even Transfer Portal NLL, become much more of a 12 month a year rotation of news. But you're right. You're not going to see too many talk shows or whoever shows, on the national level that are going in, replacing an NFL segment that could be about Russell right. Wilson compared to what's happening with the SEC.
3: I get some of that, too, because, hey, like, you know, why do they talk about the Cowboys all the time? Because they're winning? No, because they're just super popular. Why do they talk about the they Lakers move the needle. all the time? They move the needle. So, hey, when you're talking about the Big 12, that doesn't necessarily move the needle. If you're mm-hmm. talking about Vanderbilt, that doesn't necessarily move the needle. We're talking about Bama, talking about – Texas talking about those teams move the needle so I can see where it's so or has been so regionalized or there's just so many teams that are of like specific interests that you're not going to go on Sports Center and waste 20 minutes talking about teams who have like 50,000 seat stadiums and so that's understandable but I'm glad point being that there's pockets that we've helped fill in and others have helped fill in to cover all those bases and to give you know, some extra coverage to what has already been out there.
7: Yeah, and I I do think, though, and I mentioned this, Craig, last week when you and I were talking about the layoffs, that the proliferation of shows like us is is hurt. Like, not not the big thing that's hurt ESPN, but it does hurt ESPN in the fact that, you know, there are viewers that are not glued into their network like they used to be because they have a million other options. Mm -hmm. You know, so YouTube... YouTube certainly has hurt the big sports channels for sure because it's hurt and it's hurt everybody because you can't just lock into one thing and you know uh, you can watch things for a minute that you specifically want to see. So as a, I remember when I was a kid and the scoreboard moved so slow on ESPN, and so if you want to see, I remember one time my dad and I sitting in a hotel bar. Waiting for A&M score to pop up for 25 minutes. Yep. I did too. Yep. You would just sit there and wait. Like, what was the score? It was not on TV. What, you know, they were, they're playing (laughs) SMU. It wasn't on TV. We sat there for 25 minutes, finally popped up and it was just like, a and M seventeen, SMU nine. That's it, and so that's all you had. And if you As, missed it, you missed it. You missed it. We yeah. had to wait another twenty five right, well, minutes. Remember,
6: before you were born, there was the thing called the ticker. Yeah, the AP wire. But, that but was now,
7: it. not only could I look at that a- same A and M SMU game, I could put A and M versus SMU, and there's a hundred things by the time the game's over of highlights and all this scores, stats, and I don't have to sit through yeah. any of the other stuff that I don't care about. So that's also part of of, of what's going on is. Is there's now. You can specifically look for what you're looking for, and you don't have to sit through anything that you don't care about.
6: All right. Uh, thank you to, uh, to Andy Staples. Good luck to him and, and what he does moving forward. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from Ari Temkin. He is uh, co-host of the Big 12 Radio Network. It's 525. The Big 12 media standings, the poll came out earlier. We started the show with that. We've had basically every guest we've had, we've discussed it, and this is 365 Sports marco's pizza pizza lovers get it right now here are some of the specials you go to marcos.com but i can tell them to you as well the magnifico lineup pepperoni magnifico or the sausage magnifico or the combination of the ultimate magnifico of sausage and pepperoni uh nine dollars and 99 cents that's where it starts at based on what kind of crust or how size what size you want unlimited medium topping uh medium one topping pizza Starting at just six dollars and ninety nine cents, there are different codes online for which one you want: boneless wings, savory sauces, or if you want them dry. And, and I'm not one when I have my wings, and I, sometimes I'll dip into where it, it might have some sort of sauce on it, but I'd rather not because I wear contacts. So anything with wings and sauce on it is usually not a very good match. And when I cook, I usually use those like cooking gloves to make sure that I don't accidentally put something to pull out or put in a contact, but. I like the dry wings. I really do, and they have those available for you too. Bob Mock has been in the pizza business for – 20-plus years, has five locations of Marcos right now in Waco, including Hewitt, Woodway, Robinson, China Spring, and Bell He understands the business. He's been there as a driver. He's been there running the inside shop, making pizzas, and also as a general manager, and now owns five locations in Waco. Marcos Pizza, pizza lovers get it. In our logo and
2: advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at
7: Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. One size fits all that may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones member SIPC.
6: Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say.
0: It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for
11: two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> staff is really nice and accommodating real friendly you feel more like home it's not sterile looking everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here and they are patients now I really love it here it feels like
6: family learn more stonewood-dental.com
3: See an equal housing lender.
6: At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less sometimes thousands of dollars less whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at idealmri.com or give us a call 833 Ideal MRI. Ideal MRI.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and
6: subscribe. 365 Sports, and if you look at the set, go ahead, Garrett. Open up the wide shot. I'm by myself all of a sudden. It's the way it is.
7: Oh, hi, Paul. Nice to have you back. Do you think every time I walk off the set, I'm just going to go to Hawaii for two weeks Or, or
6: you're going to, well, the 31 days in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke, this is 365 Sports. Ari Temkin, he's a co-host, a part of the Big 12 Radio Network, and does a lot more than that. He is a rock star. He joins us on 365 Sports. Whoever has ever introduced you better than that?
12: Nobody, Smokey. You're the best, buddy, and I appreciate you very much, and I appreciate the great work that you guys do at 6365. You guys are incredible. I love it.
6: Well, we appreciate you, too. We'll look forward. You're going to be in Arlington, right?
12: Absolutely. Okay. I in the world. I live in Dallas. Of course, I better be there. Well, you, if you're
6: not, we're going to call somebody and look for you. Now, the poll came out today. I, I released the one I did last week, which is almost very close to identical. Your thoughts, Texas at one, defending champion, K-State is uh, what – Three, and and your what? If what are your thoughts about the poll that came out today?
12: Yeah, I mean, I I guess I should have expected that my uh, poll would be somewhat controversial. Um, if you're wondering who the one next to Oklahoma State's name oh. was for the Big Twelve championship, oh. you're talking to you're talking to the idiot that, that <laughs> did that. Um, look, I mean, I think I don't know how anybody could have watched this league the last couple of years and then figured that like, oh, the favorite will win the league again. Um, especially when you consider that the favorites or the teams that have the most talent, quote-unquote, um, have major question marks in the coaching position. I mean, we're to believe here that Steve Sarkeesian is going to have a team that's going to win more than nine games for the first time ever as a coach. He's won nine games once, and that was with a bowl win in there. So suddenly this is a team and a you know a coach that's going to get a team to 9-10 wins when he's never done it in nine years of coaching. Brent Venables is going to year two, which obviously is the same year that Dave Aranda won a Big 12 championship, but – there's major question marks there and how big of a jump can their defense take, you know, in one whole off season. Um, I mean, I certainly understand the noise surrounding Kansas state. I mean, I, I, am you know, I'm a big believer in Will Howard and what he did at the end of the year last year and and K-State, what they bring back. Um, But, you know, as we saw a couple of years ago, Baylor came out of nowhere to win the big 12 Uh, last year, both TCU and K-State came out of nowhere to win the big 12 and then get to a a college football playoff national championship. So, you know, I, I don't know how anybody could, like they're really, To me, there's like five teams you could say they're not going to win the Big 12 this year. Everybody else, you make a pretty good case for anybody else to win this conference. It's that wide open. It's a league of parity. And so in a year where we don't really know who the best team is, you know, I went with the best coach, the most consistent coach. I'm betting on Mike Gundy, and I'm certainly betting on the come for some of these players at Oklahoma State. That's the reason I picked Oklahoma State to win the Big 12, despite – the lack of success they've had against OU, number one, and number two, the lack of success they had winning in the Big 12.
7: Well, I mean, it's just I, I think part of the thing that most people would look at is it was just such a firestorm of weird and bad things that happened to Mike Gundy last year with the injuries and then Spencer Sanders transfers and Mason Cobb and you know, a lot of other guys left as well, moved around the, the entire country, but Mike Gundy didn't seem to, like, he didn't seem to mind any of that. Ari, going into this year. So uh, while I, I would not have voted them number one, uh, it's not like a crazy conspiracy theory to say that they that they could do it. Yeah, I mean,
12: again, this is a league of parity, right? I mean, if you pick Mississippi State to win the SEC, people are going to look at you sideways because of how good and consistent Georgia and Alabama have been at the top of that conference. That's just not been the case here in the Big 12, and there's no indication that this is going to stop being a league of parity. That's what I just keep going back to is how did 41 media members Decide that Texas was going to win this conference when, you know, I mean, that, that's basically two-thirds of all voters that voted on this. When, again, Steve Sarkeesian has never won more than eight games in a regular season, and there's just been a lot of disappointment around surrounding, surrounding Texas. Now, none of that has any bearing on this year. I understand that. But I just find it hard to believe um, that, that a league that has been this hard to predict the last couple of years will suddenly go chalk when, to me, Texas is not a team worthy of being chalk this season. As for Oklahoma State, Look, I mean, Alan Bowman has put up some big time numbers when he's been healthy in the Big 12. So he's returning to a conference where he's put up big time numbers. I think he has learned from two years under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And I think he's, he's you know, got a better experience through that. I, I think, you know, if he stays healthy, it's a big if, but it's like that for everybody. Um, that's where I like their upside. I love Brendan Presley. So you've got a legitimate wide, you know, you've got a legitimate number one wide out. Um, and, and I like Ollie Gordon in terms of the running game. You mentioned Mason Cobb is gone. Colin Oliver is still there. Um, and then Kendall Daniels, who was one of the top safeties in college football last year, now moves in to be kind of a rover for them, which I love. I think that's the perfect position for him. So I just see a ton of upside for a team in a league that, again, multiple years in a row now, we've just seen, you know, we, we, we have to expect the unexpected. I guess I was surprised that there are more, more teams represented with numbers that were being picked at the top of the conference. I think a lot of people look at the talent of Texas. And, look, I buy it, too, in terms of their talent. But you can literally make a case, to me, for every team in the Big 12, with the exception of the four newcomers in West Virginia to win the conference this year.
3: Ari, uh, you know a thing or two about the Kansas Jayhawks. And uh, Lance Leipold, obviously, really great year last year. The what if of, you know, if Jalen Daniels doesn't get hurt, where do they end up when all is said and done? But he's back uh, others are back as well, and there seems to be a positive feeling. But you know, you got to go out there and actually do it. Where are you on, on the the scale of of Kansas repeating, or even uh, you know going past what they did last year? Or do you think there's a little bit of a fallback in store?
12: I love that hat, Craig. That's a, that's an awesome looking Thank hat. You, too, by the way. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Um, no, so I mean, as as um, some of
12: you may know, I'm a KU grad, and so yeah. I mean, last year was incredible. Um, you know, I I. I had a decent amount of money on the over at two and a half last year for KU and, you know, had that in four weeks. Um, you know, this was a, a program, guys, that had really been performing at an FCS level for a decade in the Power Five. I mean, they, they were not even winning games against FCS opponents at the beginning of the year. That's how bad they had been. So the fact that they got back to a bowl game, the fact that they played one of the best and most entertaining bowl games in the entire bowl season, the Liberty Bowl last year against Arkansas, again, they lost. But they were down by more than two touchdowns with about three minutes to go. It was incredible um i mean it, it, it's nothing short of a miracle and then when you consider that oh by the way they've got the office preseason offensive player of the year and four teams that have made four players that have made the big 12 all-conference team And then another glaring omission and kenny logan a guy that was an all-conference performer last year um my my big thing on ku is their defense um they, they i think they got through last year with a little bit of bells and whistles in terms of quick rotations Teams caught up with them. They were they were playing at a faster pace, and so they weren't able to substitute as much. Therefore, they weren't as fresh, and they were eaten alive. Um, They've they lost some of the best players from that defense from last year. Now, Kobe Bryant and Kenny Logan are two guys that are really good performers at the back end of their defense. But uh, that's where I struggle is. How could a defense that lost a couple of guys in the NFL improve when they were so bad last year? Now, the offense is as good as there is in the conference. You know, they basically returned the entire offensive line including you know all Big 12 uh, first-team uh, interior offensive lineman and Mike Nowitzki who came over with Leipold from Buffalo and Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal um, you know, at running back. So, I mean, the ingredients are there for this team to be really, really good, but I, I think the downside for them is their defense. Now, it, should, it could be better, but it could is the operative word. We're not sure, and especially based on some of the personnel they've lost to the NFL last year, uh, I'm not certain that's going to be better, and that, that's where I struggle with them. But look, this was a team that wasn't even competing at a mm-hmm. Big 12 level. You know, so for me, I was at the point as a KU alum and fan, like I just want to turn on my TV on Saturdays and watch them compete for four quarters. Well, they obviously did that last year.
7: All right, what team is the hardest for you to get a read on? Baylor.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> you know, I mean, I I love Dave Aranda.
12: Um, and, and, I you know, so I start there, and it's like, okay, three years, it's been very up and down. Um, you know, he's been – he's unlike any other coach I've ever been around in all of sports, you know, in terms of his introspection, his willingness, you know, to be introspective, his willingness to, you know, take a look, a hard look at things and, and overcome issues. You know, they've had obviously a lot of changeover in terms of their staff in just a few short years, you know, last year. And, and I'll remind people of this after picking Oklahoma state and Alan Bowman to be my office player of the year this year, last year I picked Baylor to win the big 12 and like shape to be the office player of the year. So you can take me for, for the kids to death and know that Oklahoma state's probably in the same boat this year. Um, but look, I still believe in Blake Shapin. you know, we saw him play at a high level at times. Um, I, I think, and I'm sure you guys share the sentiment, that, like what a res around Blake Shapin probably wasn't helping him. And, you know, so I think with Richard Reese and what he was able to do last year and then Shapin, and then hopefully some semblance of playmakers in the outside, I certainly could see Baylor as being a team competing towards the top of the conference. But I can also see you lose Eka, you know, how good the defense is going to be. You know, the new defensive quarter that's coming in, you know, how much will, will this be around his defense? So I could, Baylor's got to be the toughest team for me. I could see them winning the Big 12. I mean, I really don't think that's too big of a stretch. And I could see them, you know, finishing the bottom half of the Big 12 too.
6: I made this comment last week before we released my poll that I, I stared at it. It was the blank poll that Joni Lehman sends to us. I stared at it, Ari, for maybe two or three weeks, and it was almost like I was afraid to touch it like it was a copperhead. And then finally, I just dove into it. I was like, this is not – I'm not going to get like – I may get ridiculed, but uh, to me, it's an impossible task. But in the end, it was kind of fun. But I I agree. And Baylor, I have him at six. I I thought about maybe seven or eight. I even thought maybe how about five. But – How many times have you asked Dave Aranda a question, and I don't know how often, I don't know the interview process, but I know you guys get a lot. How many times have you asked him a question, he's answered it with some philosophy or whatever, and you may have forgotten the question? Every time?
12: (laughs) (laughs) Well, every time you ask a question and then you pay attention, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then he keeps going and you're like, that's amazing. And then you're like, what's he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) absolutely man you're right and then he comes back home and then you're like oh that's amazing i love this guy yeah but he's so personable i mean obviously the answer is a philosopher one thing he's so personable i think he's somebody that practices very much what he preaches Uh, and the introspection guys like i you know i think it's something that's just masculine it's just like built ingrained in us as humans and men so like we don't want to be reflective of past failures we don't want to be reflective period just constantly move forward and that's such a dynamic of the, the psychology involved in football coaching like nope we're just looking forward we're not worried about what happened we're looking forward looking forward i think it's the coaches that understand when to be introspective and how to be introspective They're the best coaches in sports and i think iran does that better than anybody
3: amongst the four new fan bases who have you guys seen maybe the the most interesting or i guess most abundant uh reactions from as far as their excitement level and you know now starting to follow the big 12 on a regular basis
12: yeah, I mean, you've got four new fan bases that are ecstatic to be in the Big 12. Um, you've got four programs that are ecstatic to be in the Big 12. They've all put significant investments behind what they're doing. I mean, you know, we, we, we talked um, with the athletic director at the University of Houston, and it's like, man, they made these a lot of these investments here without having any idea of if they would get into the conference. right? Like they, they hired Dana Holgerson, a sitting Power 5 head coach. They've invested a ton of money into their facilities, they did all that blindly without ever knowing that it would actually beat them into a conference invite. And if Texas and OU don't leave, who knows if it ever comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have programs that better themselves. I mean, UCF is one of the greatest stories ever. I mean, when you think back about, like, the Jim Levitt South Florida teams that were really good, and you if you were to say, like, oh, in 20 years, the Big is going to be in the Big 12 and USF is still going to be a, in the Group of Five, you're like, what? How could that possibly be? USF was the first... You know, of those programs to really come into the national landscape, and UCF, I think they saw what happened with USF and have taken it to the next level. And you know, for a program that started in the late '60s as a Division three program, to now be sitting here with a seat at a Power Five, with a proven Power Five head coach, Gus Malzahn, um, I mean that that's incredible. It's an incredible story. And I mean, there's such an outlier. You know, I, I just being a dumb Texan, I guess, and not really thinking about geography. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, that West Virginia's got Cincinnati and UCF in the conference. Is that close geographically? And then when you do the mileage, uh, it's actually it's two miles closer to Lawrence, Kansas, than, from from
11: Morgantown, West Virginia, than it is to Orlando, Florida, from Morgantown.
12: All
7: right, I, I, on UCF, I think you can't underestimate you mentioned that run that USF had the amount of spite those schools have for one another and that yeah. UCF kind of like Larry David and curb, like built a spite store and it worked uh, so well.
12: <laughs> and you know that Paul, obviously with your history in that state. No. I, and I know people at USF that, I mean, they look at UCF getting into the big 12 as an affront on decisions that they made on that period of time that led them astray. And it's about investment, you know, I mean, in and, and Look, I mean, I get it. If you're USF, what kind of investments are you making into your football facilities and whatnot without having any assurances that that money is coming back? These are high-stakes gambles. And for USF, UCF, it clearly paid off with the investments they've made. And, and for USF, it's a great, you know, it's a great story And maybe they were first to market and were first to become kind of a, the, you know, one of those second-tier programs in the state of Florida to to, to you know have a, a national name for themselves. But it was USF that put their money where their mouth is, and that's why they're in the Big 12 right now.
6: Ari, it's always great to be on with you guys, and we'll see you, Dave, you, and others next week in Arlington. Can't wait to see you, and uh, thanks for your time. And by the way, I'm hurt, I'm working on maybe getting one of these 365 sports caps for you to have whenever you want to whenever you want to wear it.
12: Awesome, yes, send on my way, and I'll I'll, I'll I'll pimp it whenever. That's awesome. That's a great hat, and uh, you guys are doing fantastic work at 365. We're we're so happy to be partnered with you guys to have you guys on to talk about, you know, your insights within the Big 12 and Baylor. And can't wait to catch up with you guys at uh, Big 12 Media Days next week.
6: Look forward to it, Ari Temkin, Big 12 Radio Network, Sirius and XM, and does a lot, Uh, I mean, Cowboys Mm -hmm. and, and other shows, and does a great job with it. We appreciate his time. When we come back, Paul Catalina's top five. Don Schumador and Coffee Beans in the Town West Shopping Center just off Richland Drive and also Valley Mills in Waco. Last week, I I went by there, and Ashley was there. Cheyenne was there. Carol wasn't there, but sometimes it's one or two or three of them. And it was kind of of like she said, hey, by the way, don't forget to promote the CBD products. Because I was going to promote for Father's Day, and, of course, we did, or any day, even Fourth of July, if you want to get cigars. They have a 48-foot walk-in humidor. But I told Paul, because I was off on Friday, I told him, I said, hey, don't forget, Ashley reminded me, the CBD products we think about maybe ourselves. I take Dreams. It's a CBD, and I've kind of gotten an idea of what I need to take it, about when I need to take it based on when I'm ready to go to bed, and it does kind of just calm you down a little bit and help you save, even if it's 15 minutes or an hour, of tossing and turning. Um, I have a... a, a been up at times at 5, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm like, man, I feel like I've slept so well. Where before, I tossed and turned, constantly up and down. It's it really helped me when it comes to my sleep habits. But she brought up, because of 4th of July, and I know it's gone, but CBD products for dogs who get, like, whacked out because of fireworks talk to paul about it with woodrow it's not a bad idea perhaps for anything else when they maybe need to be calm a little bit more than they are around people it's don Chimador and coffee bean coffee beans ashley cheyenne and carol in the Townwood shopping center off richland drive and valley mills in waco the future's bright
8: the time is now College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Aaron Duvall, owner,
6: Texas Beef House. Aaron, it's premium grade East Texas beef, and you're located just outside of Tyler. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids, the kind of beef that people want. And then also your label is what catches people's attention as well.
2: Yes, uh, we have a, a all-natural pasture-raised uh, Wagyu beef. It's a USDA label. That means our cattle never spend any time in the feed yard. They go straight from the pasture to the day of harvest, and we oversee the whole process from the beginning of the genetic choices when we make these matings to the time the calves are born to the, the feed choices all the way through uh, when the animals are harvested. So we oversee the whole thing as a family, and we just believe, you know, life's too short to eat average beef. So uh, we uh, offer people a chance to step up their game and
6: uh, try uh, Wagyu beef at TexasBeefHouse.com. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas Raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. Texas Beef House.com.
3: Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Warm. Welcome home.
6: Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543.
0: Letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marcos Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marcos.com to order and stop by Marcos Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marcos, pizza lovers get it.
6: Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-spring testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, T.com.
1: for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas Raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate. TexasBeefHouse.com
7: Top 5 last chance QBs. These are guys who have made their way to the transfer portal. Some three times. One four times. One two times. But that are on the spot where it has to work out uh, for them because either their eligibility is up or even if they had a, another year after this one, if this year doesn't work out, then they're, they're probably going to be a backup. Uh, Can they walk and after. chew gum? Yeah, well, then, we'll see. They, yeah. Yeah. Number five, JT Daniels, who's at Rice now. And this would be his fourth school after USC, Georgia, West Virginia. And good for him that he's going to get the, the kind of – academic, you know, push at Rice uh, that's there. But he's been trying to to make it work a lot of places and just has never never kind of broken through that ceiling. And is, it has become, unfortunately for him, you know, what they call in the pros kind of just a guy. And, you know, I hope it works out for Rice and that they make a bowl game with, with JT Daniels. But uh, this is one of those things, and, and the new transfer rules might be pointed directly at him because he's been to four schools and, in five or six years now, and it just never worked out for him.
3: Yeah, I mean he's he's been all over the place, uh, as you mentioned, Southern Cal, Rice, uh, stops with Georgia and West Virginia in between. I mean he's he's been in the SEC, the Pac twelve, the Big Twelve, and. Um, what is Rice and Cusa? Um, I think um, I haven't checked in a while.
6: You know what? If I had to take a quiz on where everybody is now with the new yeah. in additions elsewhere, I would absolutely struggle with
3: it. Like are they in the American soon? Like because now you know everybody's onloading, offloading. Member, I, I really just off the top of my head, I don't recall exactly where they are at the moment. But yeah, I mean he's he's been in three of the Power Fives. It's kind of crazy uh, when you think about it. Um, so yeah, at some point time runs out and. Like you said, Paul, he'll get a great education at Rice. Uh, hopefully his schoolwork up to this point. I mean, to get in, he had to have at least been doing his schoolwork. But, um, yeah, I mean, great academic opportunity. And, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's just your last chance. So we'll see what he does with it. But they, they they were borderline a bowl team last year, and they've made some changes. And, you know, uh, I'm sure they're looking around too. And as an academic institution, maybe they're not that bothered by it. When they're looking around, and they're seeing like Tulane and – Schools like that getting mentioned for Pac-12 membership and Houston's joining the Big 12. And not that Rice has really ever been a, a power of any sort, but, you know. Many their, years ago. Their anymore. focus is academics. Many, many and yeah. yeah. and and so that's understandable. But had athletics been a little bit, you know, more consistent or successful on the way, like, could their story have been a little bit different? I don't okay, know.
6: wait a minute. Are both of those JT Daniels?
3: Well, one of them I think
7: is the yes. mirror image because
6: the the one on the left looks like a quarterback. The one on the right looks like it
3: could be a deep snapper. It's a mirror image, like, yeah. just
7: just like waiting. a tight end,
3: yeah, well, it's a, yeah. It's that's him. It's just a flipped okay. image, yeah. yeah. Number four,
7: Emory Jones at Cincinnati. I'm very curious to see if Scott Satterfield finds what. Florida and Arizona State both couldn't find an Emory Jones. Now, a lot of the knocks on Arizona State was they, they did not use his athleticism very well. Uh, of course, they didn't do anything very well the last couple of years. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens here with Emory Jones. And obviously, he's out of of eligibility, but didn't work out Florida, didn't work out at Arizona State. And then Cincinnati was in a situation where they just wanted a walk-and-chew gum guy, which is what... Emory Jones has been so far in his career and just hasn't broken through. This is the reason um, I, I, you know, I have Cincinnati at the bottom of the league. I just think that that we've seen what what Emory Jones is. It's not like this guy's a sophomore that hasn't broken through yet. He's been now at three places, but this is you know last stop for him as well.
6: Was he the one you compared to Vince Young? No. Who no, was that was
7: well, Anthony Richardson ah, was the one. Okay. the the, one, the, one that, the NFL. The one that okay. sent him off to Arizona right. State was, okay. yeah. Thank you. Because he had those, look, if you watch Anthony Richardson, he had those moments in Florida where you're like, oh, I haven't seen anybody do that since Vince Young. And then, um, you know, uh, he he had moments where he just didn't look like he was there at all. So, um, but, now Emory Jones just was, and he was a walk pick six at Florida for
3: sure. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why he lost his job. So, uh, we'll see if that changes in the Big 12. Uh, yeah, he's a you know player with a you know a skill set that's obviously been desirable to multiple teams at this point. I, I don't think that uh, Scott Satterfield's a complete moron when it comes to picking quarterbacks, but I don't know how many other options that he had. It would be interesting to see like how they eventually landed on Emory Jones. But you know, Ben Bryant decides to leave like that kind of threw them for a loop. So uh, they did what they could, and you know he's going to be the guy. Uh, and I'm think that really their season will probably depend greatly on whatever he ends up doing, because I don't know if they're so strong in another, it's a weird year for Cincinnati just with, with losing fickle. And you know, I, I don't, I just don't know what to expect. Uh, it's not even so much joining the big 12. It's just like, just in general, they have a lot of questions. They put a lot of guys in the pros over the last two years. I mean, Luka had turned that into a factory and, you know, sauce Gardner amongst others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, very interesting time for them and a pivotal time for them. And, you know, if it, if it goes as it has gone with Emory Jones, then they're probably not going to win a ton of games. But maybe he can help stem the tide, or maybe he can surprise. Uh, you know, and, and provide some stability there. Number three, Keaton Slovis at BYU. Uh, this is one I, I
7: I think that there's a maybe bit of a, a higher ceiling for, just because I I trust what Kalani Satake is going to do on offense there, but. Again, there's a lot going on. This is his third stop, uh, USC, Pitt, and now BYU. USC seems to have uh, a lot of these. Uh, But they, um, you know, this is, they're hoping it works out. And and BYU, who usually has, you know, at their best times, has a nice – you know, row of quarterbacks where one guy leaves and the other steps in. And now you you lose uh, Jared Hall uh, off to the NFL, and you, you kind of find yourself in a spot where it's go get a transfer or put it up to a guy who is almost no experience at all. So this, I believe, was the, the better of the options, but even still uh, hasn't worked out at two spots for Slovis.
3: Yeah, he just hasn't been very good. Um, you know, as far as like when we last saw him at uh, Pitt last year, uh, Fine uh, to bad. Uh, Honestly, at USC, it was very up and down. Uh, It throws a lot of picks, and typically – uh, the last couple of times we've seen him, those have been almost exactly as the same number of touchdowns he's throwing, which is never a good thing to be kind of 50-50-ish like that. Like strikeouts that, to walks. You never want yeah, the walks to be um, even. And that's yeah. not how his career started off. He started off with a bang, which is why I think we're still talking about him all these years later, was the way that it popped off at USC back in 2019. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to get better protecting the football and just get better in general. Um, not a bad option to pivot to when you lose a guy like Jaron Hall, as you mentioned uh, but yeah, certainly enough questions to not feel like all right, boom, they're not going to miss a beat; they're just going to move on along. And that's not even taking into account some of the the talent they lost around, you know, um, around Jaron Hall, like a Puka Nakua, for example. Even if they did have to play with him quite a play without him quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's got a great opportunity, a great opportunity to make a big splash in their first year. But I don't know, a little bit of too much unknown about him at the moment.
7: Yeah, Puka Nakua, by the way. Um... The Rams, a lot of the Rams people are talking about how how much they, they think really he'll fit with uh, with Sean McVay there, uh, yeah. by the way. Which doesn't surprise me. I think he's one of those guys who can probably be a really good NFL player if he stays healthy for a while.
3: And they still won eight games last year. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> though it didn't feel like they probably did, like or maybe it does. But to me, I, I, I don't know. I kind of walked away thinking that they had had a bad year. Maybe eight was a disappointment because of what you had coming back. But, yeah, they still won eight games. Yeah. So. Number two. Casey Thompson at FAU, uh, and
7: you know, out of Nebraska into FAU after his run at Texas as well. Uh, back with Tom Herman, uh, I I I think it'll probably work out well for him there. Uh, you know, knows the system, knows Tom Herman, um, all of that. It just, I I don't think I would have ever pegged this guy to be a journeyman at first. I thought he was going to have m- a much better career arc uh, than he than he has, but, but he has. And he's put up some numbers. He's put up and it just but it just hasn't worked out. Now, he's going to play with Tom Herman, who you could argue was the reason his career didn't start out well, because Tom Herman's offense was not consistently productive because of the the fact that everything runs to the quarterback, you know, completely and not you know, through letting, the
6: quarterback completely. You're talking about the run game, run too, game yeah. through
7: the, the quarterback, yeah. as opposed to using the other athletes you have in the field. And then when you you have a rough day as a quarterback, you have no other options because he he got so myopic there. But I think this will work out fine. But he was he is maybe the biggest surprise on this list to me is a guy who who just did not work out at, at, at two spots and and Nebraska, you know, just got caught up in a coaching change and. You know they wanted more competition and and brought in uh, who I'll tell you is the no, next. No, they didn't. On the list. They,
6: uh, Matt Rule handpicked Sims, yeah, to to come be his quarterback and Casey Thompson. That was just a matter of time, but he also couldn't go through spring, and so that didn't help him any. Yeah, I always have thought he's a pretty good quarterback. Like, can he lead you to a championship? I don't know, but he, the, the the I guess the history says no. But I've always thought this guy's pretty good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any means. I think he can probably win a lot of games at Florida Atlantic, and Tom Herman should be a great fit. That little reunion of sorts mm-hmm. um, should be, you know, totally unforeseen. Them ended up in Boca Raton together, but uh, I think it'll benefit both guys. It'll give Herman a, you know, a, a solid quarterback to start his, uh his, you know, tenure off with. But yeah, I mean, you talk about Thompson maybe running too much, which would have been year three with Texas because he didn't play a ton of the years prior to that. But um, he didn't do any of the sort at Nebraska. I mean, yeah. maybe that was a sack yardage, actually, that just eliminated his rushing yeah, yards. He got that up probably up was some it of did. it, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was not, um, you know, as much of that as, as you might have thought at Nebraska. That could be for a variety of reasons. And but also, yeah, I,
6: been a, who's around him at Nebraska. No, yeah.
3: absolutely. But, you know, I think he's he's a good player, and he should be great at, at FAU. Yeah.
7: Number one. Jeff Sims at Nebraska. you Well, look, he was a very highly rated recruit, um, and he went to Georgia Tech, who, I mean, he had to fight through injuries and all that, and now he's with a staff that I know was probably in on recruiting him, and, and Jeff Collins was the coach that signed him at, at Georgia Tech, and Matt Rule knows Jeff Collins really well because of their time at Temple together, so I'm sure there's a, a lot of overlap there. And Jeff Sims had his moments, but... Like most of, like Georgia Tech would have these times where it's like, oh, look, they're in a three-game winning streak. And then they've got, you know, Clemson and NC yeah. State and, and, you know, Virginia back-to-back or something like that, and they lose three games in a row. It just didn't work out for them. So, But Jeff Sims, uh, to me, is one of the more intriguing guys in the country and in the right system with the right talent around him can probably win some games. But this is, and Matt Rule knows this, but a jump from – playing sporadically at Georgia Tech to being a starting quarterback in the Big Ten. Yeah. It's going to be a jump for Jeff Sims. I, I've, I watched
6: the spring game. I'm not a big spring game guy. Heck, I, when I go to watch Baylor, I, I half can't remember what I watched. But he seems to have kind of a little bit of that, what you want as your guy if he can stay healthy. He takes a lot of hits. He's a bigger body. But, you know, I have not really seen him consistently enough. But Rule, watched him. He was at Carolina. Paid attention to him. Handpicked him. And we'll see.
3: He's got a big arm. They're going to run pro-style offense. Uh, that should suit him well. Um, and, yeah, I think he just really needs to cut down on turnovers. And that, I know that could really probably be a golden rule for every quarterback, but sometimes you do have to, like, mention that because that's part of the problem. <laughs> it's, it's, you got a guy with a lot of turnovers. So, yeah, cut down on the, the picks and, you know, big, big arm, um, you know, presence and experience. And I think that, you know, if you're somebody going into a program that's got big expectations, not that they're thinking they're going to win the Big Ten anytime soon, but obviously there's expectations that you're there to change it. Um, you could definitely do far worse as far as bringing in a guy than than Jeff Sims as yeah. your first big quarterback recruit. So yeah, I think that was a, a good move by Rule, and uh, should work out well. But uh, we will see.
6: Wish that receiver was back, who had a really good year. Trey LSU. Palmer. Yeah, he was fantastic. He ended up having a really, really good year for a team that was very anemic for the most part. That would be nice to have him back. All right, Graham Bronstein, Missouri Holla, uh, Levi Carraway, Baylor Holla, and then Emery's out remotely, but he's working on sports tonight, 365 Sports Tonight at 1030 and presented by Rooftop Innovations. Hot off the press. Can you stop that for one second, Garrett, just for a second? Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, this is through July 10th. All retired military gets an extra $2,000 on top of all the cash incentives, including specialty, uh, specialty incentive interest rates like for example the 2023 Jeep brand Cherokee Laredo $3,500 plus 2.9 percent for 72 months so that now means $5,500 in cash values and the 2.9 for 72 months thanks to Ted Teague for sending me that Luke forty east of 84 Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep brand Fiat for Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke I'm David Smoke have a great night good night 365 sports